0: does have it all all of our pre-owned vehicles are hubler q certified which include a 128 point vehicle inspection a free carfax vehicle history report and two warranties a two-year 100,000 mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day 1,000 mile comprehensive warranty visit any of our 13
1: locations today or click drivehubler.com
2: oh what's going on everybody i'm brian no he's jimmy cook it's 93.5 and 107.5 the fan Jimmy, I'm just going to give you fair warning here. I am locked and loaded today. Holy cow. I'm just going to be... It's going to be a machine gun of venom with some of these type. I'm going to have to stand back from the microphone here with uh, some of the stuff that's going on in the sports world how are you doing man? so
3: that's not i'm doing great by the way thanks for asking hope you're doing well eddie hope you're doing good as well and fine folks of indianapolis hope you're also having a great day but is that because of the uh, amount of uh, sleep you're currently riding right now or <laughs> is it just a combination of everything or what are you attributed to
2: it's really more so the storylines mm. you know a uh, couple of them i i I might just come unglued. I'm gonna to try to remember. I can use my inside voice. Did the Colts trade for Bryce Young? I mean, I'm just trying to think of things that could have set you off, like to to levels of new heights. I don't, I don't know. Um, there is a, a man with the initials R R mm. that Jimmy's on my hit list. He's on my hit list, but that's for a little while later. Um, by the way, we've got day baseball. Yes. Huh? I don't know if you want to play the. Uh, Austin Powers theme music and I'm not opposed if you've got a nerfy no runs first inning or whatever you got going on here for the day baseball games yeah I'm just saying
3: if something pops up I will share I know we have like nine minutes though before that happens I will say we had a (laughs) solid day yesterday stacking days if you will the last couple of days like I'm someone at Colts camp so we're we're feeling pretty good about about the night action that that we've been rolling with
2: okay yeah and I think we're okay. I think we're talking 12.35 start times, you know? Oh, okay. So we do have a little bit more time. Okay, nice. You got a a, a little runway right there, a little bit of runway. Okay, let's start with the Colts, though. Uh, First things first, with this Kareem Hunt situation, this is wild. (laughs) This reminds me a little bit of college football realignment rumors, you know? (laughs) <laughs> Where it's like, hey, uh, Washington and Oregon, they're not going to the Big Ten, and then three hours later, they're going to the Big Ten. You know, it just seemed like a certainty that Kareem Hunt was going to Indianapolis, and then it's like, no, that's that's not happening. It seemed like he was going to the Saints, and then it's like, it seemed like it looked like he was going to the Colts. Now who knows what? It's weird how it's worked out with Kareem Hunt, but he still remains on the open market.
3: I mean, thought on, what was this, Tuesday, because Diane Rossini had reported that he was on a visit with the Saints, and then he was set to sign there pending a physical, and then the wind shifted, and there were reports that the Colts had offered him a contract or an interest in signing him with a more enticing deal in the guaranteed money range, so he headed to Indianapolis, had a workout yesterday, and then... Like you said, it felt like that was the direction they were going to go, given the lack of depth at the running back position for the Colts. And they ultimately don't do that. And Kareem Hunt is still out there in search of where he's going to end up playing football in 2023. So a very weird set of circumstances all the way around. But it's normal for the Colts at this stage of training camp to, for just weird things to happen. And anything that you think might happen is probably not, or there's maybe more to the story. And that is the latest chapter in this saga, the Kareem hunt non-signing.
2: What do they call it, Jimmy, Where it's the six degrees of separation with Kevin Bacon? Yes. Yes, 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 yep. Yep. So that's how I think of this, where obviously it's not just a Kareem hunt situation. It's connected to Jonathan Taylor. And when the Colts reportedly reached out to Kareem Hunt, Kareem Hunt goes to New Orleans, he's visiting. And the Colts are like, hey, before you step out on the field for a workout, come here, we'll offer more money. (laughs) right?" And so he goes over to Indianapolis and the deal doesn't get made. But just that point. Of the Colts saying, don't go there, come here, we'll make it worth your your time over here. We'll sweeten the deal. That, to me, opened the door a lot more than I thought it would be in terms of the Colts maybe moving on from Jonathan Taylor. But now that they don't have Kareem Hunt, the door closes a little bit on that. Where do you stand on that, Jimmy, as far as the pursuit of Kareem Hunt and what it means for Jonathan Taylor's situation?
3: So at first, I thought it was a happy medium signing in terms of the optics of it all. And by that, I mean from on-field performance versus money demanded. If the Colts really wanted to be petty as heck with all of this and say, hey, JT, you do what you're going to do. We're going to go get Dalvin Cook. You right. would think that might be like a one-year and creep up close to the amount of money that Jonathan Taylor is looking for, like maybe $15, sure. 16000000 million dollar deal. There's been no reports of what they offered Kareem Hunt, but you would think it would be a little less than that. I would I would cut it at least in half just off the bat, and that's without really diving into his previous contract. So let's say it's a six or seven million dollar deal, and maybe it was fully guaranteed. It's like, okay, this could be one of two things. Either Jonathan Taylor is really injured and they want to have a more experienced running back being an early down back or being a somewhat lead horse still by committee running back at the head of their depth chart or Jonathan Taylor is inevitably going to play week one, but this is a more established number two running back that also is a crafty weapon in the passing game. So from the football personnel standpoint alone, the signing made a lot of sense, but like you mentioned now that it fell through or it didn't happen I, I don't know where to read those tea leaves, how it concerns Jonathan Taylor, because it appeared the Colts were interested in him. It appeared they gave him an enticing offer, that being Kareem Hunt. And now we're back to square one with it. And they signed, who is it, a Jason, Jason Huntley, who is former Pittsburgh Steelers practice squad member, I believe, but a veteran running back. That's another camp body or a depth piece. That's not a running back one to help starve off Jonathan Taylor's time. So for me, it's still... Wait and see with JT because the dust I hoped would clear from the Kareem Hunt situation revealed us back to square one where we were before any of these rumors came out.
2: Well, we're gonna play a little guessing game here in a second, but while we're still on track with this whole thing with Kareem Hunt and uh, Jonathan Taylor, <laughs> I can't believe I can't believe what I heard earlier this week from Shane Steichen. again, Jonathan Taylor, has requested to be traded, right? And JT earlier this week, as I'm sure you guys talked about, he is no longer practice. He's no longer rehabbing with the team. He's gone away from the team, and he's rehabbing on his own. And that's uncommon. You normally don't see that. You normally see the players with the team. With that being said, Shane Steichen was asked a number of questions about that. But listen to the very last part
4: of this whole exchange. This is what stands out most to me. Do
2: you think he'll practice
0: during camp? Uh,
4: uh, Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see that. We'll see how it all plays out, though. Again, once he's cleared, he'll be out here. Okay, so JT has requested to be traded. And
2: Steichen's like, oh, yeah, once he's cleared, he'll be out here. (laughs) Like If I'm JT, I'm like, what? That's where, I don't know how you feel about this, Jimmy, but that's where bad blood could make this thing really interesting. Where if I'm JT and one, I haven't been given the contract I want. Jim Mersey is tweeting up a storm and saying, we're not going to miss JT when he's gone from the league, you know? And now the head coach is like, oh, yeah, once he's cleared, we expect him out there. He's like, I'd be like, do you guys not even take this seriously that I've requested a trade and I might not ever suit up for the Colts again? And they're just business as usual, just proceeding, not even with caution, just like normal. Oh, I'd be ticked off about that.
3: I'd be incensed if I was Jonathan Taylor. And I don't know if this is gamesmanship by the Colts or not, but at the end of the day, the Colts are saying out loud what we all think is going to happen, which is that Jonathan Taylor can fight this all he wants, can go rehab his injury off site. If the Colts give him permission to do that, which they did. And he can continue to not be a part of training camp and team workouts and preparation for the start of the season. But once week one arrives where he's going to be, is an easy answer for me, assuming he's not injured, which is out there for the Colts, ready to be available and play. Because if he doesn't, and there's not an injury involved, there's going to be financial penalties to it. And I get it. I understand right. it's only, what, a $4 million contract that he had, like one-year deal left on this contract that he has. But I don't think he's going to sit out for that. And if he does, he is... Entering dangerously close to that age-old parable of if you don't learn from history, you're destined to repeat it. Look at every other position player, primarily every other running back that has tried to do what he could potentially do and look how it's worked out for them. So it is very bold if the Colts are taking the approach of we're just going to pretend like this isn't happening because we know he's going to be there week one. Because they're right, he probably is. But it is a very dangerous game to try to poke the hornet's nest of what if he does actually sit out? What if he's willing yeah. to sacrifice the $4 million? It's a sword he might be willing to fall on, and then what do you do? If you're the Colts, I don't mean for this season, where does it get repaired? Do you let him walk next year in free agency? Do you try to actually trade him then with less value than you could now at the deadline? I, I don't know, but acting like it's not happening is very bold and showing just to put your feet on the desk like a boss that knows he has all yeah. the power.
2: It's crazy where... Think about it. If you were threatening to get out of a relationship, you know, you were unhappy with the way things were going and you're like, I'm out of here. I'm done. You know, and that's close to what JT has said. He's requested a trade. You can't really request a trade in a relationship, but right, you're saying something to the near effect of, I'm sick and tired of the way this is. You're not valuing me. I want out of here. Wouldn't it tick you off more if your partner was like, mm, "I don't know that you're done." You know? <laughs> or just like was just washing the dishes like you never said anything. I'll see you at dinner tonight. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> "Oh, okay, you're leaving." All right. Yep. I'll believe it when I see it. That's you'd be like, "No, but I am. I'm serious this time." Th- you know? Yeah. That's how I would feel if my partner wasn't taking me seriously. That's how you would feel if your employer wasn't taking you seriously. I, I just think it's interesting that the Colts have decided to go Jedi mind trick <laughs> on this, which is, oh, yeah, once he's cleared, we expect him out there. And JT's just going to be like, yeah, I'm cleared. I should be out there. Th- that's an interesting approach. I don't know that it'll work. But, hey, maybe when you have pretty much all the leverage, it doesn't matter what your approach is. And... This might be what JT is reduced to. If the Colts play hardball to that degree, I doubt that he would sit out for the entire season.
3: It is the best or one of the best drama stories in the sport right now. And it's like any good series where you're like in the middle of it. And so much is is grinding around. We're like, there's still enough to keep you interested, but you're waiting to see who's going to make the next crazy move. And, yeah. and right now the Colts are again, being very, just nonchalant about it. Like they, they think everything's going to work out and whether it works out with high fives and cheers and just like hugs from Jim or and Jonathan Taylor is not the way this story ends, but they feel it's still going to end with him being there in the backfield week one. And again, barring like a legitimate injury or something where he would have an excused absence or a reason to not be there that, that was what I thought maybe this was trending towards when they brought in Hunt because, again, Kareem Hunt, and he he does have the baggage with him. I'm not going to just mm-hmm. gloss over what happened to him in Kansas City. I, I lived through that thing as a lot of fans of the game did when it happened in 2018. And like, I'm, I'm not going to be the one to say that he should or shouldn't play in the NFL anymore, but he got another opportunity from the Browns right away and he appeared to at least... Keep his name in good standing, both within the public eye and with how he carried himself as a player. So, if a team wants to sign him, fine. But what he does in the field is a 28 year old running back. Yes, his numbers dipped last year, but he's good in the passing game. And if this offensive line is going to be the leap forward that we hope it is, I think he could be a competent running back on a cheap contract that would fill the gap for however long Jonathan Taylor's out. But since that's not happening anymore, I don't know what plan B is. You're not going to yeah. break the bank for one of these other running backs that are available. So either JT is going to be out there or he's legitimately hurt because there's no way this ends with him being like, I'm gone. I don't care about the 4000000 million. I'll see you later. We'll talk, uh, talk in the offseason.
2: I just don't think he's going to take that right. path. I don't either because I don't think it would benefit him. And no. so if that's really your only play and it doesn't benefit you, that's a rough position to be in. That would be the opposite of having leverage. You know, mm-hmm. that that's not having leverage. But I just still go back to if the Colts aren't giving him the contract, if they're not doing what he wants with actions, I, I mean, I would think they would do all they can with words, and they have not. <laughs> they have not no. with words of, JT means so much to this organization. We value him greatly. And that's all it is. It's Jim Irsay tweeting, ah, the running back market is what it is. Deal with it. There's a CBA. Look it up, you know? (laughs) And then we're not going to miss this guy when he's retired. And then it's Steichen. Yeah, when he's cleared, we expect him out there. Right? That's the opposite of flowery words. So it's been fascinating how the Colts have played this. And I think it really just does show you the lack of leverage that running backs have right now. Put it this way, if the Colts weren't giving another position player that was on JT's level, right? If they were not giving that guy the contract he wanted, I can't imagine they'd be saying the same things publicly. I think they'd be treating it with kid gloves and being a lot more careful with what they said. The Colts, are like you said, they've got their feet propped up. They're like, eh, where's he going? Really? I mean, come on, right? And I can't imagine JT has been like calmed down at all with the way this offseason has been unfolding.
3: The other thing with all of this, and it goes back to why I don't see the Colts necessarily bending the knee with a trade, Not just the fact that Jim Irsay, you know, released statements publicly to the media that we're not trading him today, tomorrow, October, ever, all that. I got to get another (laughs) another bold claim by Jim Irsay. But the other thing, if I am another team in the NFL and I am looking at all this unfold, it has nothing to do with Jonathan Taylor because I still think that Jonathan Taylor is a good person. I think he's getting bad advice to all this. He's still choosing to follow it, but like I'm not blaming him as an enemy here. But I don't want to deal with the headache of his agent, let alone the fact that I don't want to pay him the type of money he reportedly wants. Let's just entertain the idea that somebody offered something to the Colts to trade for him. And it would have to be enough that would entice Jim Irsay to a point that he feels like he's making a good decision here and that it's enough to to compensate losing a very talented, one of the best in a league running backs. Let's say it's a second rounder, just for the sake of the argument. If you're making that deal for... Jonathan Taylor, I would think you'd want to also keep him for a couple years and not just waste a second round pick on a rental. You're welcoming that problem into your building. And I don't mean Jonathan Taylor is the problem. I mean his representation as that mm. problem. That it, It'll be there all season, even if Taylor takes the approach of, no, I'm here to play, I'm going to focus, we're going to deal with it. That's great. He's kicking the can down the road six months until you... Have this problem now on your plate next offseason of I'm going to offer him a tag. Here we go. We know where this is going to go. It's going to be a drama-filled circus for us here in Washington. Sorry, Ron, but you, know, you kind of deserve it for the way that uh, things went. We'll get into that a little bit later in the show. But you get what I'm saying. No one's going to make that deal because they don't want this headache. And they also don't think the market has changed in, uh, let's count, three weeks. No, one has it hasn't. The running back market is still what it is. So the Colts' approach is very weird, but... For Jonathan Taylor, there's not much else he can respond with other than go about his business and maybe complain in the media again. There's not there's nothing he can do.
2: Yeah, it's uh it's tough for running backs right now. And this is a a more prolonged Saquon Barkley situation, I think. Meaning, look, I know Saquon there was a franchise tag situation. This is the final year of Jonathan Taylor's rookie contract. That's not the comparison. The comparison is, it was basically a week, where a week later, after Saquon said, "You know, I might just say f my teammates, f the team, I'm just going to sit out. That's my leverage. I might have to use that." And it was literally about seven days later he reversed course and he's like, "Yeah, I had an epiphany. I just signed that (laughs) that tag and we're ready to go here, right?" So with Jonathan Taylor. It seems seems weak no matter what happens, right? It's just a matter of when. But when you start to go down this road of who's going to blink first, it's going to be you. It's going to be the running back more than the team. That's just where the market is. So if you start playing hardball, you're eventually going to have to cave unless you're sitting out for the season or your trade demand is met. But I doubt it will be because of the market being what it is. A lot of teams don't want to trade assets for a running back. So, like whether it's a week later, like Saquon, whether it's a month later, maybe like JT, you're gonna talk tough and then like tail between the legs. Uh, okay, I really don't have any other moves here. I had a dream the other
3: night and it just told me to play for the Colts this year. Yeah, just, like, how do you yeah, spin exactly. it? <laughs> we talked about it the other day. Like, there's not really a way. There's not a way if he was to report before week 1. And I get it winning cures all. So like if he's dominant then yeah, maybe it'll fall to the shadows and and it'll be fine. But there's not a way for him to come out publicly and it feel genuine. I said this yesterday because you saw what you what we assumed was just John and Taylor who he is in April. And he was talking about how like, it's going to happen when it happens. Like, I I made a commitment to the team. I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, but said he made a commitment to the team, wants to honor that contract. And not exactly a Michael Pittman Jr. approach, but a, a very professional approach about it. Then he hires new representation. Mm-hmm. Then his tune starts to change to the point that, again, we're having his agent again, a Twitter war with Jim Irsay. And all the chaos that has unfolded over the last couple of months to a point that now it's like, is this Jonathan Taylor? Or is this a new approach he's taken to his personality solely for these negotiations? Regardless of which one it is, if he pivots week one and has the Swaycon Barkley, I had an epiphany and I'm I'm ready to play this year, it won't come off as genuine, but the lingering aspect of how much that matters ultimately will come down to
2: how he performs on the field, as it does with most things in sports. Hey, and think about this too, Jimmy, it's harder for JT to play hardball yeah, because Saquon hadn't signed that franchise tender. So technically he's not under contract and he's not getting fined every day. You know, JT is under contract. JT will be getting fined for the time he misses. It's harder for JT to play hardball. It's because he's
3: trying to, like we've said all along, get a year ahead of this fight because he's seen what happens when you wait until the tag arrives on your doorstep Right, right. and it's a loss. And the yeah. thought is, well, let's try this new venture and get ahead of it a year early. Unfortunately, what Jonathan Taylor's finding out and what any other running backs observing this are finding out is it doesn't matter when you try to have this battle. Right now, it's not one you're going to win.
2: Okay, it's time to play Guess the Dollars. Okay, it's a brand new game show, <laughs> soon to be sweeping the nation. But I'm curious. We're going to have a little roundtable uh, guessing game here. I think we should do just guess the dollars for 2023 with a couple of free agent running backs. You could do, hey, he signs a two-year deal for X amount, but that gets a little bit harder to decipher, right? How much money do you think Dalvin Cook will make in 2023? Let's start with you, Jimmy. What do you think about that?
3: I think that Dalvin Cook will make ten million dollars in twenty twenty three.
2: Ten mil I'm gonna say Dalvin Cook I, I don't see north of seven. I'll say seven. Uh Daddy, what do you think, man? How much money for Dalvin Cook in twenty three? I was gonna say six million, but you can
5: earn probably up to eight with incentives.
2: So six up to eight? Yep.
3: Okay. Market value says, I don't know if this is part of the game and I'm cheating, no. but uh, market value says about
2: eight and a half on a uh, spot rack. So for what that's worth. Okay. How about Kareem Hunt? Guess the dollars for 2023. Five. Five. Okay. Eddie, what do you think? About I was going to say five. You're going to say five. Are you, you still saying five? <laughs> <laughs> I was yeah. going to. Yeah. I I will say mm, Kareem Hunt, I could see it being lower. I'll go three and a half. Market value says seven. For Kareem Hunt? Average annual salary market value says seven. <sighs> that seems steep for Kareem Hunt. I could see three and a half, four-ish. I don't think you guys are crazy with five. like Somewhere in that range. But I don't think it's going to be a ton. I, I know he's on his rookie deal, but JT said to make 4.3. <laughs> like
3: I mean, if I'm, I didn't take this into account with our game, but just for the sake of it. So the saints have about 11 million in cap space. The Colts have 19 per over the cap.com. Again, these are just estimations. Uh uh-huh. So, if the Colts outbid the Saints and we're assuming that this was not a I'm going all in for Cream Hunt. No, I'm going all in for Cream Hunt. Let's say that the Saints offered four, four and a half, and maybe the Colts offered I don't know, six. So like that oh. I I think we're right within it's definitely a uh it's not it's not in the tens of millions. It's somewhere lower than that. But how low it goes is a again, I just wish we had I wish I'm trying I'm to get mad at the national reporters because they do a great job with it, but I wish more numbers leaked than they did instead of eh, it's just an offer sheet because I just want to try to pencil the thinking of, okay, this is what they're looking at from a cap perspective. Why is this the amount they offered? And too often, especially in the NFL, we don't get that. We just get, eh, there were two teams bidding and this is what he signed for and nothing becomes official until pen goes to paper. So
2: It's a really interesting part of it where you are negotiating with the player and then also the market, Mm -hmm. you have to have a good sense of what the other guys are likely to offer for obvious reasons, right? You don't want to just completely overbid and find out later, right? Like if it's a, a, I don't know, you're, you're trying to pay for a car and whoever offers more money, is probably going to get the car. You don't want to say, "All right, I'll I'll, I'll give you a 30,000" if the the other bid was like 10, you know what I mean? So, and they have a good sense of what other teams are likely to offer, but you got to have a sense of that. You absolutely do. I wonder how many times Other teams would be blown away when they find out the actual offer where it's like, (laughs) oh, my gosh, you were only offering that. We could offer way less, man. Oh, man. All right. Coming up next. This guy said he put his foot in his mouth. That doesn't do it justice. How badly this guy has mismanaged a situation. We'll have details on that for you. I'm Brian. No, he's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5. The fan. I'm Brian No, he's Jimmy Cook, here on The Fan. Ah, man. Jimbo. Jimbo Jimbo. Our guy, Ron Rivera. Oh, my goodness. Head coach of the Washington Commanders. This week, we were talking about the Colts and how we've disagreed. Well, at least I have. You have, too. Uncertain things. How they've handled the JT situation. The Ursay tweet did not help. Some of Ursae's comments do not help. What Ron Rivera has done this week with the commanders. Oh, my goodness. So we rewind a couple of days ago. This is how it started. This is Ron Rivera talking about Eric Bieniemy. Okay, new offensive coordinator, brand new. The guy interviewed 15 times for a head coaching mm-hmm. job hasn't landed one of them. And there's a lot of backdrop with that. What's the reason for it? Is it because he's black? Is it because of this? Is it because of that? Is, is he interviewing well? Is he a little bit too, you know, intense, not as collaborative? All these theories are floating out there. And Ron Rivera says this when players have come to him to voice their concern about this intense coaching style of the enemy. Here's what Rivera initially said.
1: Eric has an approach, and it's the way he does things, and he's not going to change, and and because he believes in it, Jack has his approach. You know, um, having been a head coach, I think Jack has a tendency to try and figure guys out a little bit more as opposed to, hey, this is it. This is the way it's going to be, that type of stuff, where Eric Eric hasn't had that, that experience yet.
2: Okay. So he's implying that the enemy over here, he hasn't had head coaching experience like Jack Del Rio. He doesn't really know how to switch gears and maybe you're intense with this player and it works and you're a little bit more friendly with this other player and that works, right? He doesn't really know that yet. That's what he threw out there. So shockingly, this became a story, right? (laughs) And then Rivera follows it up the next day with this.
1: We talked about it, and it was just, I basically told him, I put my foot in my mouth. Um, I think what I said wasn't as clear as it needed to be. And I think the understanding of of it is just the fact that I think everybody's making, in my opinion, a little bit more than needs to be made of this.
2: Oh, my gosh, my head hurts. Are you serious (laughs) right now? We're just making more out of this than there is to make. He insinuates that the enemy doesn't really know how to adjust because he doesn't have that head coaching experience. And it's, we're just going to shrug our shoulders and be like, that eh, nothing to see here. Right. It's on us. It's on. that is literally like someone who steps in it. And we're like, dude, your shoes, not good. You should clean those. <laughs> and they look at you and they're like, what's the big deal? Huh? Like, Dude, what do you mean, what's the big deal? Are you you just don't understand this situation at all. You wouldn't have made the initial statement, and you wouldn't have followed it up the same way like, what's the big deal anyway, though? This is a flat-out joke from Rivera.
3: Regardless of what the actual truth is to why enemy has been unable to land a head coaching job, and you you outline some of them, and there's a ton of different theories for why he's been unable to land one, the biggest, at least reported, criticism that Andy Reid had shared with Eric Bieniemy was that this is from, uh, I believe, the Athletic in Kansas City had this. This is going back a couple of months, but Andy had meetings at like the owners' meetings and coaches' meetings, wondering why that his offense coordinator, when he's had previous OCs get had coaching jobs, can't get one. And part of it is, at least what was reported, was he's too close to this great success train of Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes that maybe he needs to go somewhere else and prove that he can do it and in walks Ron Rivera a by all accounts very well respected coach in the NFL I know him and Andy Reid have a great relationship and the thought is it's it's a baton pass of Eric Bieniemy, and this is going to be an opportunity for him to grow for him to do more and be with a team that again allegedly uh, will help him because he's not having as much success as he did in Kansas City he's able to do it on his own. And that's all fine and dandy. But then you have this happening when you're trying to do it on your own. And the head coach is coming out publicly and saying, yeah, I mean, you know, every, everybody does it their own way. But I've told the guys they can could, they could talk to him about it. Like, if they have a problem with it, they can go fight. Like, I don't need to know that. The, the Washington media doesn't need to know that. Oh. That's great behind closed doors conference. That's what you want to have. But you don't need to willingly volunteer that. Just a, a very, very tough look
2: all around for Ron Rivera and the Commanders. It's just, this is a rookie head coaching mistake, if there ever was. By a seasoned veteran coach at that. Yeah. Yeah. How how do you not know better? Like, to initially open the door on this information, this is year 12 for Rivera as a head coach. How, How? Actually, this is year 13. Excuse me. We're going into year 13 as an NFL head coach. And he's just volunteering this information. This is the thing, man. Ron Rivera is not good at what he does. That that's I'm sorry, that's the bottom line. I love him as a guy. It's awesome he beat Cancer. I call him roller coaster Ron. We're with the Panthers. They're twelve and four, they're seven, eight, and one. They're fifteen and one, <laughs> they're six and ten. It's just up, down, up, roller coaster. And like they don't have a winning record in any season. When he's been with Washington. They climbed up to five hundred last season at eight, eight, and one. You know, that's what he's done. And on top of it, this team has either Sam Howell at QB one or it's gonna be Jacoby Brissett not projecting to be one of the league leaders. <laughs> and then he just creates this whole drama by volunteering information and sloppily trying to put it on us for making a bigger deal out of it than there is to be made? Really? If you're good at your job, you eliminate distractions. You don't create them. You lessen drama. You don't create that Mm -hmm. either. And yet, they're like, "Ah, we finished in last place of our division last year. We might have Sam Howell at the controls. Let's just create some drama over here totally unnecessarily By saying, oh, yeah, coaches are complaining about the enemy. But, uh, you know, he doesn't really know what he's doing because he's not been a head coach before.
3: That's the larger issue that I have with all of this. Like the on the field success, all that, throw out the window for a second. This is supposed to be, again, because uh, the, the coaching community is supposed to be one that, again, I get it. Competition, all that fun stuff, yes, but like it is as unique and interconnected a, a brotherhood as the NFL PA. Like the, they have the annual coaches meetings, like by all accounts, I'm sure there's animosity between some, but like, yeah, you're willing to help out your fellow coaches. And this is what this move is to bring Eric B Enemy in and get an opportunity to have full control over play calls and run a team that again is not handed with a star quarterback right there. Again, I don't fully agree with that being a fair mark against the enemy, but that's clearly something that has been in the mindset of owners and GMs and head coaches around the league. So he goes to do this and your thought is you're going to help build him up and you take the approach intentional or not at a minimum, just carelessly saying, yeah, he doesn't really know what he's doing. (laughs) He's there to be able to portray someone that does know what he's doing. And you're going to go to the big, yeah, I, I, don't really, I don't really know what he's doing out there. He just hasn't been a coach for very long. I mean, he's worked under Andy Reid, who, yes, I do have Chiefs fan bias. I get it. But ask a neutral, one of the most well-respected and talented coaches that the game has ever seen. Do you think that if it worked there, it's not going to work with you, Ron, that he doesn't know what he's doing? My good, Like, I just... If I'm Biennium, you talk about John and Taylor being mad about this whole thing. I'm hot if I'm Eric Biennium about this whole thing when I'm trying to build my image as somebody that is a well-qualified coach and you're out here, the season hasn't even started yet, saying that, yeah, he doesn't really know what he's doing out there.
2: And then the third person from Biennium. This doesn't help matters either, Jimmy. And (laughs) the two conflicting third-person statements Listen to this. Just, I know this is nitpicking, but it is h- hilarious at the same time. Here you go. Eric Bienemy is is who he is, okay? Eric Bienemy knows how to adapt and adjust. Wait, wait a minute. Eric Bienemy is who he is. All right, this is how he rolls. <laughs> but also, he knows how to adjust. Really that that's those kind of conflict with each other. Do they not? And I, I'll tell you this, Jimmy, my stance on third person I think third person only works one of two ways. You're either Ricky Henderson, who pulled it off greatly when he was a member of the Oakland A's way back when. Okay, he's one of the only ones that can pull this off. And two, third person works when you're making fun of people who go third person. I think those are the only (laughs) two times it works out in your favor. I would agree. There's also this. There's Dominic Foxworth. He was on Get Up. And um, he had the the real solution for what Ron Rivera initially should have said about players complaining to him. Check this out.
0: What Ron Rivera should have said, are players having hard time with Eric Vietnamese intensity? No. (laughs) (laughs) Practice is hard. Training camp is hard. No one's having trouble with intensity because we're football players.
3: Football is intense. Thank you. Next question.
2: Right? Yes. That, that should that. have been the way it went down. It did not, um, and that's why we are where we are. And spin this thing forward, Jimmy. W- what happens in week four if the enemy's a little intense on the sideline? And I don't know, uh, Brian Robinson, the running back, doesn't like it. He has words with Terry McLaurin. Th- this is going to be a story again, mm-hmm. and it didn't need to be. If you didn't have the that the backdrop of roller coaster Ron, you know we'd be like, eh, you know he's, he's yelling, he's intense, it happens, whatever. But with the backdrop now and the information that was volunteered, oh my gosh, just not not wise, not wise at all. I'll tell you what, though, we're jam packed today. Oh, you know I didn't get uh, any uh, Austin Powers music. We're we're starting over here in Pittsburgh. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you, you did not. I was I was too locked in on defending Eric Bieniemy and trying to figure out you know that oh. Jack Del Rio is a great beacon of uh, example of confidence of highly successful coaches that uh, Eric Bieniemy should strive to be more like. You know. So
2: as I look right now, the Braves are already on the board. Oh, of course they are. Eddie <sighs> gave you something though, yep. did he not before the show? He did, and I didn't fire on it. I was getting stuff prepared. You know, and the break and then it slipped my mind and here we are.
5: Maybe Eddie's may bet was, was in the first inning. First <laughs> like inning. Rate. Maybe yep. Eddie's
3: bet was too intense for you, you know, just the way he delivered it was too strong. It's Ugh. you need to find the, somebody with a gentler hand with
2: betting advice. The Braves have scored once already, up one nothing against the Pirates. They have runners on first and second with one out. Ah, If we fired on over five and a half, we're smelling mm. like a rose right <sighs> now. They're facing a pitcher from Pittsburgh whose last name is Falter. <laughs> like that's an automatic fire, yeah. you know. Like,
3: Braves. I'm surprised you didn't just dive in, <laughs> and, and dive into the breach and call it a day. A little if I, could,
2: if I could turn back time, Jimmy. <laughs> yeah. If I could turn back time, Indeed. I'll uh, share right there. There you go. We've got Aaron Torres from Fox Sports Radio, podcaster at one o'clock, and uh, we'll get into it with him coming up next. Preseason doesn't really matter. The results, at least, who wins, who loses. I'll tell you what, Jimmy, we are going to flip that around and we are going to make it matter. I'll tell you how next. I'm Brian No, he's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 five and one oh seven five the fan. I'm Brian No, he's Jimmy Cook here on the fan. Okay, Jimmy, you want a guessing game that is uh intense, difficult, makes the um how could I say this? Makes the meaningless meaningful, huh? Would that pique your interest at all then? Yeah, I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat. Okay. All right. Here, here's what I'm thinking. The preseason results don't matter this week. Like who wins, who loses, unless you're gambling, of course, <laughs> then it would matter. But just the results themselves, they, they don't matter. How about this? If we go with each matchup of these games, and you pick the team who you think will have more regular season wins. Okay? And then you take it a step further. It's kind of like golf. Whoever has the lowest score wins. Okay? If we take, let's say, for instance, the the Colts um, against the Bills. Mm-hmm. Right? That's the Saturday matchup. If you, it, it's easier to say, hey, the Bills are going to have more regular season wins. That's most likely the way it's going to go. How many more Okay, so if you say on the season, Bills plus seven, okay, for instance, if I say, you know what, I'm going to go Bills plus eight. We're going to keep track of this. We're going to keep track at the end of the 2023 season, how we fared with the first week (laughs) where all the teams are competing in the in the uh, preseason. (laughs) Is that not a great way to make the meaningless meaningful? It, It sounds like a great way to me. I'm all in. You're in. I like it. Even if you're not, you did a convincing job of playing along. <laughs> I'm, a team, I'm a team player. You are. You Absolutely. Okay, How are so, you now? Yeah. Uh-oh. Yeah. Eddie's got a bone to pick here. We'll get to that. Uh, I'm very interested about that. Okay, let's start with the games tonight. We got ball tonight, Jimmy. Yes. Okay, we'll go either or, right? Like you do one, I'll start the other. Because it's high stakes. We're going to put, I think, at least $10,000 on this. At the... <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll figure it out. Um, okay. So Texans, Patriots. Who has how, who has more regular season wins and how many would you guess? The Patriots will have six more wins than the Texans. Okay. Pats with six more. That's a, that's a pretty good guess. Okay, you got to kind of think. How many games are the Texans going to win? Four or five? How many games? I'm going to say New England. I'll, I'll give them plus four. I'll go plus four on that. Okay. Okay. Um, how about Minnesota-Seattle? Uh, I will go with... Whew, that's a tough one, right? Give me... Ugh, Push, push, push. It could be. It really could be, Eddie. That's not crazy at all. I'll take Seattle plus one. Push might hit. You want me to write you down for that, Eddie?
5: Push. Oh no, I was just, I was just throwing it out there to be, okay. to be me.
2: Yeah. What do you think, Jimmy? So you're Vikings are so, saints. So you, so you took, the, you took Seattle. I took Seattle plus one win in the regular season.
3: I'm gonna go Vikings
2: plus two wins. Mini plus two. Okay. We proceed to the Friday matchups. We'll just do uh, eight of the games in this segment and then eight later on. Okay. Okay. Green Bay and Cincinnati. I'm guessing you're going to take Cincy. But you got this injury issue with Joe Burrow. Who knows crazier things have happened. What's your guess? Cincy plus eight. (laughs) I'm filling in.
5: Holy my. They're going 16 and one. Oh, the Packers are going to suck. Yeah,
2: that's what
3: I'm banking on there. I'm banking on the Packers getting like five wins. I disagree, but... I understand you do. You're you're big on Jordan Love. Or not big, but you're more on Jordan Love than any other human being outside of the state of Wisconsin. I'm I'm optimistic, yes.
2: You should be filling in in Milwaukee (laughs) instead of me. They hate me over there because I'm just giving them reality and they're like, who is this freaking guy? I'm going to go with Cincy. I'm not going to go with Saucy there. I'm going to say Cincy plus... Just a little less, seven. So just, can,
3: just to clarify, yeah. you're saying that the fine folks in Green Bay are experiencing Indianapolis in April? Is that what I'm just trying to, <laughs> try, try to make sure I'm, I'm getting a feel for, for how they're doing out there in Green Bay? I liked <laughs> Will Levis better. I'm Milwaukee, sorry. What do you want me to tell you? Milwaukee. Oh, it's Milwaukee. I
2: apologize. I apologize. Yeah. Fine folks in Close enough. You know. Whatever. It's either or. Cheese uh, curds. It's all there. Yeah. A lot of cow. We're fine. Okay. Giants. Lions. That's
5: a tough one. It is. I, I'm gonna go. Oh,
2: easy. you go easy, Eddie. What do you easy. want? We want me to mark you down for something? What do Yeah, you have?
5: Lions by three. Come on. If you, if you think, if you really think, three. if you really think Green Bay is going to be bad and Chicago is not going to be good, come on.
2: Uh, hey, i and I'm then gonna you've
5: go. got that. You've got that division of the NFC East.
3: Wait, we went. Okay, I understand. Um, uh, yeah, I'll go. I was gonna take the Lions anyway, so I'll say Lions plus. I'll say Lions plus 4. 4.
2: I'm going to go Lions. I'll go plus 2. Okay. Plus 2. I think We're all in a row. Yeah, I don't think there's that much difference between the two. Okay. Atlanta Miami. How many more do we get to double digits for the Dolphins? Might go 17 and 0. I don't I don't know. What do you think? We
3: will go. I'm sorry. I was going off of DraftKings. So Steelers, Buccaneers is before that. So give me, if, uh, if any of you are ready with your Dolphins, Falcons. Oh, plus, okay. Go ahead and go first. I need to okay, second. Okay,
2: I'll go. Listen, man. I think Atlanta's a weird team because they're going to run it. They're, they picked up a couple of defensive pieces that are going to help out. I don't think Desmond Ritter is going to crush it, but he's got a lot of talent around him. I think Atlanta could be respectable this season they won seven games last year with Mariota you know what I mean Mariota and Ritter so um I'm gonna go Miami it's just a health wild card with the Dolphins I'll go Miami plus three I will go Miami plus five wow I like the optimism there very nice Stay okay healthy, Tua. we're ready for uh dose. you go dose there Eddie see Miami, <laughs> Miami, <laughs> right. Miami, Miami, uh, Pittsburgh, Tampa, Jesus, um,
5: letter E, letter Z, I'll
3: go Pittsburgh
5: I plus pronounce that easy one plus
2: one. Yeah, man. It's, uh, that's the thing with this exercise. Where's the shocker? There's going to be some shocker where you're like, "What? Tampa was plus four? How did how did that happen?" I will go like the Steelers are always consistent, not uh, below 500, and with Kenny Pickett probably taking a bit of a step forward, I think they'll be better than Tampa. I'll go Pittsburgh plus two. I'm not going to get too crazy, but I think that's around where they're going to be.
3: Did you pop it already, Eddie? Yeah. Okay. So I went plus two. Brian went plus two. Where'd you go? I'm sorry. Tampa plus two. Okay.
2: Tampa plus two. Okay. Okay. Uh, We got two more real fast. Washington, Cleveland. Washington's off to a great start in the offseason, as we
3: detailed. (laughs) (laughs) Cleveland plus four.
2: Okay. Cleveland plus four. So what we're doing is we're taking these preseason matchups that don't matter as far as the final result. And we're applying... Uh, The regular season. Who's going to have more regular season wins between the two teams that are matched up in the preseason here? I will go Cleveland. Man, Deshaun Watson is such a wild card. If he is playing well, that is a sneaky good team. That's a tough division. I'm going to go Browns. I'm going to go plus two. I'm not going to go crazy here.
3: I'm going to go Browns plus three. You already oh, no, did. I already went. I already went. I went, I'm sorry. I got lost. And it's Eddie's turn. My fault. I apologize. I got lost. You, all right, one more. I got. Lo- more. I got locked in on this, and then I was like, "Oh no!" There's silence. I thought Eddie didn't go. It's my fault.
2: No, you're good. <laughs> Wash. I'm sorry. Denver, Arizona. Last one, real fast. Who has more regular season wins? Arizona plus
3: one.
5: You're? Are you serious?
3: I, I'm not. I'm not giving positivity to the Denver Broncos. I'm sorry.
5: Wow! You just put them in your playoffs like last week.
3: Look, okay, we're we're crossing segments.
2: I don't care. I said what I said. <laughs> I'm going Denver. Gosh, plus seven, s- six. I thought about seven, Eddie. You want seven? Yep. You got seven. It was I got Denver Ari- plus got, one a year I got, ago. I got
5: Arizona at two wins this year. So
2: you're it probably two? is going to be
3: Denver. That yep, was a, those. that was a spite pick out of me, but like it was a gap of one a year ago. No Kyler Murray. I don't know. Denver gets maybe seven or eight wins, so it it could be Denver plus two or three. But I'm not doing. I'm being spiteful.
2: Arizona wow, plus one. Man, okay, we'll give the second half. Uh, in the next hour. Coming up next, Aaron Torres. Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres podcast. A lot of ground to cover. College, football, NFL, whatever comes to mind. We'll have some fun coming up. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. Here on The Fan. Man, it just dawned on me. I am starving right now, Jimmy. Gosh, I could eat.
3: I feel like you usually always have a like, Nutri-Grain bar or something at the ready for yourself just in had, case something like this happens.
2: I had two Nutri-Grain bars earlier this morning mm. as I, uh, up at the crack of dawn and, uh, and then I had a couple of sausage patties a couple of pieces of, of toast I'm still re- ready to go I'm ready to chow down
3: Quick cat nap and, and some snacks and you're you're good to go you're good to uh you're good to either a host a show or b still get some some extra snackage going along um that's
2: quite a combo right there <laughs> by the way I think uh, Noah Syndergaard who's about to be pitching for the uh, Guardians here in just a, a few minutes uh, I think he's back to stinking again I think he had an out of body experience his first start for the Cleveland Guardians, his new team. I think he's back to stinking again. What do you say about this?
3: I mean, I'm going to go... I'm not placing an official bet because, again, we're riding the nightlife right now. The night uh-huh. bets have been good to us, but if I was placing a bet, I'd go Blue Jays. So yeah, I think I think he gets roughed up a little bit here. Uh, it's... I don't know what he went five and a third on July 31st against the Astros, and then after that he went six innings but gave up five run runs, four
2: homers. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll take the Blue Jays there. That's fine. Okay, I'm just looking just for the heck of it. Would you take the Blue Jays over four and a half team total? Ooh, I don't love the juice. It's no, minus one forty. No, a- I would need plus money or, or minus one ten. Okay. It's still though. It's freaking Cinder Guard. You know? I'd go.
3: I'd go Blue Jays minus one and a half. Oh, you go run line right yeah. there because okay. uh, I'm assuming that the money line is like minus two hundred or something. I don't have it in front of me,
2: but I would guess it's probably something like that. It's not. It's minus one forty two hmm. on DK. By the way, I don't like these. FanDuel-like numbers that they have on DK now. <laughs> what, what's going on? They always just use... They've swapped you know, algorithms. <laughs> yeah, multiples of five. Now it's minus 142 plus 121. So what are we doing? What are we doing over here? By the way, did you see the beginning of hard knocks with the speech that Jets head coach Robert Sala delivered? No, I did not. I I said
3: yesterday it was on my list. I did not get to it. I decided to pain myself one more time with Yankees baseball. It went about as well as expected. Uh, Uh, I do intend on watching it tonight, though. So, no, I
2: didn't hear it. Okay. Well, here's a little sneak peek. There's nothing that's going to be spoiled here. It's all right. I don't have HBO, so I have not seen this episode. But the speech is readily available, Okay. This is the speech that Robert Sala delivered. Now, it's got some bells and whistles with the music, and they're setting the mood and all that, but I love it. Not everybody does. I'm going to throw it your way. You be the judge on this one. Thumbs up, thumbs down, uh, Jimmy. Here is Jets head coach Robert Sala on HBO's Hard Knocks.
1: Did you know that the only bird, the only bird in the world that will attack an eagle is a crow? It's a crow. That's the only bird that will actually have the balls to attack an eagle. So rather than fight back and tearing a crow to pieces, like it can, the eagle spreads its wings and it soars as high as it possibly can. It keeps going and going and going as high as it can, and the higher the eagle flies, the harder it is for the crow to breathe. Eventually the crow suffocates, falls back down the earth and dies. That's what happens. Guys, we got a great deal of hype around us, we do. All kinds of expectations. And with great expectations, we know that there's gonna be a whole lot of people, a whole lot of crows expecting this to fall on our face. What are you doing to find that little bit more to get us closer to being a great f-ing team? You finish practice, now what? You finish meetings, now what? Lifting, now what? A rep, now what? And if we come together and we challenge ourselves to do a little bit more every day, the Crows, they'll fall by themselves. Embrace what we're capable of. Embrace the fact that we aren't the same old Jets. Embrace the fact that we do have a target on our back. Embrace the fact that when teams look at our schedule, they're not chalking us up for a W. They're coming at you. Because it's exactly where we want to be.
2: Let's go. Come on. I, I heard some laughter. You're just like, coach, really? Come on. Are we re- reaching for crows and eagles here? You weren't feeling that, Jimmy? No, no.
3: I felt some of it. The first laugh was about the murmur from the players. Like, oh, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know that. That's really cool. And at the end, what he, he, he's, yeah. Look, it was great, but it's also one of those where it's like, I'm not there. I'm not looking for a hyped up speech. I'm just trying to consume hard knocks. So my reaction isn't, let's go, coach. It's it's to chuckle a little bit at the analogy. But yeah, it was uh I don't know. I feel like that the music helped carry it a little bit oh, as yeah. hard knocks does. Um they always play the tracks exactly where they need to be in speech moments like that. But yeah, I we'll give it a give it a seven and a half out of ten on the uh, on the hype up scale.
2: I liked it a lot, I'll be honest with you. I've heard this a couple of times now. The first time I heard it, I was like 10. Loved it. Rave reviews. Now that I've heard it a couple of times, the score has dwindled just a little bit. I'm not sure why. I think the surprise (laughs) factor has worn off. But I love how he put it together where the real message is just do a little bit more every single day. Mm -hmm. Now the whole Crow thing, there are some people that dispute this as if (laughs) it's not even factual. Where Crows are very smart, they don't actually keep following this eagle like, I'm almost there, though, and then suffocate and die. They are disputing whether that's even true or not. <laughs> but let's not get a little thing like a fact in the way, like throw us off here. Uh, yeah, I will still go. I'll still go eight on that. Solid eight. Like that speech.
3: That was good stuff. Uh, It's good to stretch the truth every now and again when you're trying to get a speech (laughs) across. I'm not going to fault him for that. Uh, I love the idea, and I've yet to put it into Twitter for a search, but I love the idea of animal experts coming at Robert Sol. like the idea that that's not actually true. I like that, Um, but... I don't know. It's hard knocks. It's it's delivering clearly off the gate with that speech. And again, it gives me another reason to to make sure I do check that out later tonight. So
2: (laughs) when it really kicks in there, here's my question. Were the murmurs real or produced? You know what I'm saying? When he initially says the only bird that will attack an eagle is a crow, and everyone's like, "Oh, really? You, you, know do you think boy. there's some some Hollywood uh, production I, trickery?" I'm going just on. saying. Like, let's hear the very beginning of it. You judge whether it's real or produced.
1: Did you know that the only bird, the only bird in the world that will attack an eagle is a crow? It's a crow. That's the only bird that will actually have the balls <laughs> to attack an eagle.
2: I, I, it could be produced, Jimmy.
3: I need I need to see it. I need, yeah, I need to I need to see the clip. And if they don't pan to the players, then I'm not going to be able to fully stay, but it sounds natural to me. It sounds, it sounds legit, but I need to see if the video and audio track match up if they do pan to the players or
2: not. You know what the crazy thing is? You could see the video and see them talking and it might not have been then, you know, it could have been something else. (laughs) It could have been before the meeting even began. You're playing all, with the old survivor
3: reality liberties that are at play where you sign this contract and we can use the footage however we need to. You're saying that perhaps they're they're cutting from something else and splicing it in there
2: smoothly yeah. to make you uh-huh. think it happened there. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. Hey, they're they're keen on these veteran tricks here, <laughs> Jimmy. You know? Could be the case. Now we did get a sneak peek of this. Remember when Sean Payton went scorched earth? on uh, Nathaniel Hackett and others. So Nathaniel Hackett is obviously now the, the Jets offensive coordinator. So this was, what, a week or two ago? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, where Robert Sala, he was commenting on this interview that Sean Payton did with USA Today, where he was critical of Nathaniel Hackett. And he gave us a Crow
1: Eagle sneak peek here's robert sala i get it there's a lot of external noise there's a lot of people who are hating on us there's a lot of people looking for us to fail there's a lot of crows pecking at our neck but all you can do is spread your wings keep flying high until those crows fall off and suffocate from the inability to breathe it's a whole nother analogy i'll get into (laughs) later
2: (laughs) he's all about
3: this man so apparently big bird lover is robert sala is what i'm getting out of this to, to some regard or at least a big fascinator of Eagles and crows and what may or may not happen when they uh, cross paths with one another in the wild. That's, that's what I'm what I've gathered from Coach Sala.
2: You know what's funny too is we didn't play the whole cut because it's long enough with the speech of the team that first one. He um he starts it off Jimmy and he's like you know you know I was uh thinking about us last night. I read something and I was thinking about us <laughs> and he did the whole crow eagle thing and it's like. Come to find out, Coach, you've had that in your back pocket for a while. I don't know that you were just thinking about us the night before, and right, right. Like there's a little bit of Hollywood to Robert Sala, which I don't, I don't hate. Uh, it works for his speech right there. Now, while we're talking Jets here, real fast, as we look over the AFC, the competition for the Colts, all that sort of stuff. Um, would you like to hear some wildly outlandish predictions for the Jets, Jimmy? I love this. This is so good. So, this was on Bleacher Report. They're just giving the mic to Jets fans at training camp and saying, you know what, it writes itself. Something good is going to happen as a result of this. Here is wild prediction number one.
4: This one's not really a hot take, but the Jets are going to win the Super Bowl. I,
2: I love how that's set up right there. It's not really a hot take, but they're going to win it all.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of people that are saying this, so it's not yeah. hot, but yeah, anyway, nah. Lombardi nah. trophy.
2: Uh, one more crazy prediction. Here's another one. This is beautiful. Listen carefully.
3: I'm a diehard Jets fan. 49ers and Jets in the Super
0: Bowl. 24 17, Jets win CJ Mosley as the MVP. Mm. <laughs>
2: CJ Mosley bringing it home.
3: Are we trying to outdo each other on how outlandish the take could be? Because like it wasn't enough to take that step forward, but we gotta nope. specifically say CJ Mosley's getting that.
2: Yep. Man. That's right. No, and, and CJ Mosley, off ball linebacker, he's taking it home. That that's my prediction <laughs> right there. All right, we got our guy Aaron Torres, Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres Podcast, joining us here on the fan. You know, Aaron, I, I have a question for you. Are we sure. friends? Are we friends? <laughs> um, I like Jimmy more, but yeah, you're cool. You're cool enough. No, I'm kidding. Of course we're friends. Why? I texted you a few weeks ago, like, hey, man, you want to come on the show? I'm in Indy. No response. Nothing. Nothing. I know. I what is that about? What is that? You forgot. What is that? What's going on in your life where you just up and forgot, huh? Well, about, about your guy. guy? I mean,
0: how about this? How about this, Brian? No, this is a nice little, um, I said nice little, uh, you know, uh, whatever you want to call it. I'm actually going on vacation tonight. I'm out of town all of next week. And literally, I am interrupting my packing. Uh, My wife is mad at me because I promised I'd help her with some stuff. Now, I still have a few work things to do, but I bring it up because we're leaving in like five hours. And I'm literally carving out a a, a significant percentage of my day just to talk to my uh, loyal listeners in Indy, and specifically, Brian no. even though I do like Jimmy a little bit more. So. <laughs> but that, that, that part is true. I am going on vacation, but and that was why I missed your call, which I do apologize for, is I'm running around doing a million things, and I just put my phone down, right? It's funny how it works in like 2023. You have your phone attached to your hips. The one minute that you put your phone down, knowing that a call is coming, it just, you completely forget. But that is true. I am going on vacation And I literally made uh, time a couple hours before I leave just for my buddies in Indy. Mm.
2: We are honored. honored. Good thing Jimmy was on the show today. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Aaron, what what do you think about um, the Colts starting Anthony Richardson, their rookie quarterback in week one? This has been something that we've uh, batted back and forth for quite a bit right now. Where do you stand on that?
0: Well, you know, if you had asked me the day before the draft, would I expect Anthony Richardson to be a week one starter? I probably wouldn't have said yes, um, strictly because, you know, he's a guy. Listen, we all watched him to a degree in college. Maybe I watched him a little bit more doing the college football show on Saturday nights. But like, you know, he's uh, the, the tools are are no doubt about it. It's just a matter of are the tools all going to come together? And I know you guys have spent literally six months talking about the strengths and weaknesses, so, you know, I think if he had been drafted again by anyone other than basically the those teams in the top three, I would have said, Yeah, you know, you give him the year, the, the Mahomes plan, let him learn from a veteran, whatever. But once he got drafted by Indy, it was clear or whoever was drafted by Indy, it was clear that they were probably gonna be the week one starter unless disaster broke. So I'm not surprised that he's starting. Um if he had if he hadn't gone at number three there, if he had gone somewhere else, I don't think he would be starting. But listen, you know, you've you've gone with a million uh, older guys, veteran guys for whatever. It's time to see if the young kid can kind of handle the smoke. You know, he's a top five pick. Go prove it, you know?
3: Aaron, it's not official if he's going to get the nod for the regular season opener. But Shane Steichen did announce today that he is going to be the starter for the Bills game this weekend to open the preseason. He said that he'll play a quarter with the ones. And again, it's it is what it is at this point, trying to get tea leaves out of training camp, but he's stacking together practices. They've split reps sometimes from your observation from afar. What is the significance to a rookie quarterback in a quarterback battle, getting that first crack at it, getting the first start of the preseason. Does it matter at all? Is there any significance there?
0: Yeah. I'm I'm curious for your guys perspective, being in the market. um, I have no problem with him starting a, a, a preseason game. And, I know there's been a push the last four or five years that, that that starting caliber players really shouldn't be playing. I think he needs live game reps against NFL speed. And I know you have hours and hours of practice over the course of the last month or three weeks or whatever it's been since everybody reported. But I don't think there's anything like other you know, other guys in other uniforms flying. It's just so I don't I don't have any fundamental issue with him playing at all. And then in terms of him, you know, getting getting the start, um, I, I think that comes down to hey, you want to see what, what what he can do against the first team with, or excuse me, with a first team offensive line. I know Jonathan Taylor's in his deal, but obviously with first team skill talent, listen, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, whatever it was. Yeah. He probably wouldn't be a week one starter and you'd give him a year and whatever, but it's 2023, man. You know, you get drafted in the top five, top 10, even in the first round, in many cases, it's go time. So I'll be curious. I'll be watching like everybody else. Um, but I have no problem with them playing them. And obviously, uh, it's intriguing, obviously, because of, uh, you know, all the
2: various variables that we just talked about. He's Aaron Torres joining us here on uh, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. How about this? Let, let's spin it forward a little bit more. If you look at week one, Anthony Richardson, quarterback, Jonathan Taylor, running back. Who will be on the field, either <laughs> Neither or both. What's your money
4: on?
0: Well, um, you know, it's interesting. I I went on air about an hour after Jonathan Taylor's trade request a few Saturdays ago. uh, And by about middle of the show, uh, you know, uh, Ursay had already released a statement saying, uh, oh, we're not trading them. We're going to figure this out. So I I don't know where things are necessarily. I, I I would say I, I think it'll be Richardson. I, I It seems like there's real contention between the organization and Taylor. Now part of it is he's a running back. He obviously feels underpaid. And, uh, you know, my thoughts since that night, guys, has been, you know, Jonathan Taylor basically saw everything that happened to Saquon this offseason and said, you know what? I'm not going to let that happen to me. Uh, I'm going to get my money before it even becomes an issue. So, uh, you know, it seems as though he's digging his heels in. It seems as though the organization has dug their heels into a degree. Although, like I said, you know, Ursa saying they're not trading him. I kind of tend to lean that way.
3: From afar, how much do you blame it all, if any, when the Jonathan Taylor News has hopped on the national desk the last couple of weeks With the change in tune that he's had from April, where it seemed like he was, you know, I'm I'm under contract, I'm gonna let it play out, to now where it's very aggressive taking the shift. And the only difference, major difference during that time is he hired new representation. How much do you attribute to that new agent hire to where we are now in terms of, is this relationship even repairable?
0: Well, two things, you know, one, um, one, I'll say this is that, uh, you know, an agent's job is to get his client, his or her client, the most possible money. Um, And it's the client's job to know that the agent works for them. And so, you know, if, if, if it's the agent, then either Jonathan Taylor is telling him what to do, or Jonathan Taylor is letting his agent dictate too much, if that's the case. I still go back guys to, it feels like the entire narrative about the entire position changed dating back to that call that those guys had a few weeks ago and started as a text chain, turned into a phone call, whatever. And, you know, I I don't know if Jonathan Taylor's the guinea pig, but it feels like he was the first one to kind of draw a line in the sand where it's like, okay, we've played nice here. You know, we've done what's right. Saquon took his money, whatever. Um, But I'm not going to – like I said a minute ago, I'm not going to wait until my contract's up. I'm not going to wait until the last possible moment, almost like Ezekiel Elliott a few years ago, where I think he still had a year or two left on his rookie deal, and he said, I'm not showing up until I get my money. So, you know, I don't blame Jonathan Taylor. Um, my guess is if Noah's asking, do we, do we see him in week one, Jimmy, then I, I don't think that relationship is unrepairable or irreparable or however you say it. You guys have way better insight on that than I would, but my guess is I I just don't think – and I know he's coming off a season where he's a little bit banged up. I just don't think you trade a guy that young, that talented. By the way, here's the other part, and I don't know if I'm going long here. Cut me off. But I think to to the first part of this conversation – The fact that you do have a rookie quarterback, I think that's almost why you have to make it work with Jonathan Taylor because you have to put a lot on on Jonathan Taylor's plate to take a lot off Anthony Richardson's plate. And so, you know, if you had a veteran quarterback, yeah, I'm sure you guys have thought about it, but if you had a veteran quarterback, if you had one of the elite guys, the Joe Burrows, the whoever's, it's not as much of a priority. But I actually think part of that is probably Jonathan Taylor's selling point as well as like, Y'all kind of need me if -hmm. you're going to roll with this rookie quarterback that I think started 12 games in his entire college career.
2: That's a good point. There's no doubt about it. He's Aaron Torres. You know, Fox Sports Radio. I, I mean, I, I, you would think you texted me back with me giving you a compliment like that, you know?
0: Well, now, now, next time I will. I mean, it's been a while since I got a compliment like that. So. We did, we did a show together like three months ago, and all you told me was how wrong I was the entire time.
2: So, you know, <laughs> that doesn't even, sound that like me this. at yeah, all. That's I, a,
3: I finally figured out why it is that me and Aaron get along
2: so well. I don't, I don't know what's going on there. I thought you were going to say I finally figured out why no one texts <laughs> him back. I thought you are going to. It's amazing how no one ever gets anything
0: or how no one ever gets anything right except for Brian No. That's incredible. That's unbelievable. Wow. Is that, that how it trend. goes? That's how it works. <laughs> I gotta so. talk to Ephraim Salam too. Who who you working with now? George Ephraim? Who who else are you working with? We gotta you know, this is what we're gonna do, Jimmy. We're gonna do like the running backs do. We're all of Brian Knows <laughs> co-hosts, we're gonna get on a call and we're gonna figure some things out once this call's done. I prefer wow. an
3: intervention, so we can build him back up. That's, that's, yeah. that's I'm more of a I'm more of a helper.
0: Okay, how about we this? We need more money working with that guy. That's I think that's the theme here. We're like the running backs. We need more money working with this guy. But anyway, continue, Brian. I'm sorry, I keep cutting you off.
2: It's okay. It's all right. I'm not taking it personal with all these personal cheap shots. It's okay. Um, uh, in terms of the most interesting team, Aaron, think about it this way. Put whoever your favorite team is to the side. They don't count, okay? You get a chance to watch one of the 31 other teams for the first quarter of the season. We'll say the first four games. Which team are you choosing uh, among all the others?
0: So listen, I heard you guys coming in with the hot takes on the Jets. I, I think the answer to that question is the Jets, but because it's so obvious, I'll go quickly two other directions. One... I think the Lions are absolutely fascinating because that division is so wide open. Jordan Love, we know the story. Justin Fields, we know the story. And then, of course, beyond that, the Minnesota Vikings, we know their, their record in one-score one games last year. Probably not going to be reciprocated. But just because those teams might not be good doesn't necessarily mean that Detroit actually takes the step that many people think. I'll say this, no, this has been one of my takes all offseason. I'm fascinated by the L.A. Rams, and I'll tell you why. And I'm not an L.A. Rams guy. I'm not a, a fan or anything. Is that Sean McVay for two straight off seasons has threatened to retire. And I don't think there's a life raft this particular season. Um, I know Matt Stafford w- was banged up last year. But, but you know, this year, um, you know, it's the same deal. They have three or four guys that all need to be healthy and playing at a high level or they're not going to be very good and I just wonder, McVeigh's threatened to retire twice, um, and 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 I think you know if he wants to do the media thing for a few years, there's only so long that you get to have losing seasons before a little bit of the sizzle, you know, kind of kind of kind of you know wanes, right? Like even like take it as an example, like Bill Belichick. It, I, I think we also think he's the greatest to ever. Do it, but there's a little little luster off of Bill Belichick, and so if you're Sean McVeigh if you're trying to get that $25 million a year or whatever media job, and then be able to handpick the job that you want when you come back, are you really that good? And I know he made a Super Bowl before, so he probably is. Or did you strike lightning in a bottle because you had two horrific seasons after. So I don't think he can keep coming back and, 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 and redoing this whole thing. If they go five and 12 or whatever, again, this year, I don't think he's coming back next year to run it back with this same group. Now, maybe there's a scenario where they're so bad they get a, a high draft pick and a new quarterback. I don't know. But if they're as bad as they were last year and they're just bad enough where they're not – just good enough, excuse me, where they're not in the Caleb Williams, Drake May sweepstakes, I don't know if that guy's coming back to run it back for a third, fourth straight year with an aging core uh, that isn't producing.
2: Aaron, it's good to catch up with you, man. Uh, hope you have a great vacation. Uh, where are you going? Are you going overseas or something somewhere fancy?
0: There, I am. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't mean to rub anybody's face. I am. We, we are going to the Caribbean. Uh, oh, it, it's going to be. Uh, yeah, you know, I'll say this, guys, really quick. I, I'm very fortunate. You know, my parents are healthy. My wife's parents are healthy. So we try to do one trip a year with with the families. Um, you know, our parents are getting older. All that stuff. So. We're, it's a little stressful traveling with the parents. Hopefully they don't listen to indie Sports Talk Radio in the middle of the day. Uh, but it is a little stressful traveling with them, but we do it every year. Now, normally we do it in July, and it's not as close to football. But, uh, you know, this year just schedule didn't really work out. So we are going. We're excited. Uh, and like I said, you know, hey, by the way, Brian, hit me when I get back. I'll be back in a week, and I'll come back on, and I will – more importantly, I'll respond to
2: your text, okay? Okay. All right, man. That sounds good. Enjoy the vacation, Aaron. And uh, thanks for the time, man. We'll catch you later.
0: Guys, I appreciate you having me. Like I said, sorry for being late, and I will respond to that text next <laughs> time, Brian. No. I look forward to talking to you guys soon.
2: All right, man. There he is, Aaron Torres, Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres podcast, going to the Caribbean. I feel like that should be in his title as well.
3: It needs to be on the Twitter bio. I agree. Yeah.
2: <laughs> hey, uh, going to the caribbean in august is that a flex or is that <laughs> or is that questionable at all jimmy like do you go well he's in la so it it doesn't really matter right there if you're from indiana you know if you're in indianapolis i think you go to the caribbean in like you know November or February or something <laughs>
1: don't you think
3: I would that, agree yeah it's an LA move you're looking ahead for for warmth and paradise when it starts <laughs> to get cold and gloomy out on the west coast particularly LA it's like I mean it's pretty nice every day let's see some new scenery shall we out yeah, of Caribbean yeah. that's
2: the move <laughs> yeah there you go all right coming up next what would cause you to cheer for the other team when you're at a game We'll explain. I'm Brian No. He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. I'm Brian No. He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. I'll tell you what, this is my gambling anthem right here. (laughs) Oh, if I could turn back time, I would have listened to Eddie Garrison. Goodness, the uh, Braves over five and a half team total. It's looking beautiful as they have four runs in the bottom of the third. Goodness, just need two more from here on out. Can I turn back
5: time do. to yesterday at the end of the show, real oh, quick? Man. Yeah, can why I you... finally what, get my the... jab in here? Yeah, what's the bone you have to pick? All right, so last uh, yesterday at the end of the show, the Reds were winning. It was four to one. Uh, Jimmy asks me why I didn't share the bet I had in the game. What was that bet? It was first five under four and a half. It cashed. Okay,
3: good. All right, so you made money yesterday. Correct. That's important. I did. That's I very did. important. I did. Okay.
5: So Jimmy's about to give his plays of the day, and he says this
3: in fact i'm so confident in myself not being a jinx uh go ahead and invest the bank reds minus 1600 money line right now uh they're up four to one there's no shot that they lose this game with where they're at right now and what the sixth and seventh inning you probably take that one to the bank uh i feel, feel fairly confident in that would you agree
5: Eddie? i don't know the bullpen still has money. Yeah. <laughs> that man's over there like looking stressed So what happens, Brian? Uh Uh-oh. Three-run Jack in the eighth. The Marlins tie it. In the ninth, Alexis Diaz gives up a go-ahead, Homer, and the oh. Reds lose 5-4. to four. Wow. And when man. I tell you, and I have told Jimmy, when he backs the Reds, it's never good. Example, not, uh, we'll enter this into evidence as uh, evidence number 90463. <laughs> hey, man, they're fading right now. Don't, don't remind me. I just want to. I just want to apologize.
2: Mm. I want to
3: apologize to Eddie. I want to apologize to the Reds, I'll and more importantly, what, I want to apologize to the Reds fans. Yeah, for your pitchers throwing first pitch <laughs>
2: fastballs that get sent into the Cincinnati no. afternoon. So let's
5: stop. Stop it. No, you don't. You know You don't get the right. Nope.
2: <laughs> it's it's on you. You got to wear this one. Yep. Yeah, I understand. Um, Reds tomorrow minus one forty. Would you guys agree? that the worst thing in betting, and that's a bold statement, the worst thing is betting on a huge favorite. Oh, yeah. And it loses, and your immediate thought has got to be the same as mine. If I had taken that same money Mm -hmm. and placed it on the huge (laughs) underdog, I would be swimming in cash right now. Oh, it's the worst. Yep. It's the worst. Yeah, it's,
3: uh, I've gotten away from
5: that. It would be like betting on the Yankees every night.
3: Yeah, it would be like that. It's uh I've I've stopped that by the way. I'm not that insane. Um it's, it's gosh. Yeah, no, I I've, I've done that before though very early on in the gambling uh career. It's a tough pill to swallow and it's yeah. one of those where it's 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 that thought of oh, what if I would have bet the underdog oh. and then it's why were you so stupid to break the rules of following a bankroll and chase after a 10 or 15, 20, 30, maybe $40 profit just to lay big on a aggressively right. favored line. It's, uh, it's, it's
2: disgusting. Yeah, It's very bad. Now, uh, Eddie pulled this audio, courtesy of NBC Sports Philadelphia. This is Michael Lorenzen, former Reds pitcher. Right, Eddie? Remember him? Seven years? Yep. Right, with the Reds? I can tell the Reds haven't been very good for a while, because I was like, Michael Lorenzen? How long's he been around? I'm like, oh, gosh, he's been, <laughs> he's been around for a long time. Where have I been? But he threw a no-hitter last night. He's a member of the Philadelphia Phillies now. So a little mashup of what that sounded like.
1: One more pitch, Sam. One more pitch. One more pitch. The 3-2 pitch.
2: Swung on. Popped up. Shallow center field. Rojas sprinting in. He's under it. He
4: has space. Makes the catch. And Michael Lorenzen has thrown the 14th no.
3: Nothing. I mean, I didn't really have great stuff. My changeup, I, I will say we made an adjustment. Caleb helped me with the changeup, um, showed me a grip from back in 19, and my grip for the past two years was different. I didn't realize it. So we went back to that grip, and the changeup played really well for me tonight.
5: There you go. Props to him. My stuff wasn't that great, but I just went complete game and didn't give up a hit.
2: Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> isn't that funny? I didn't really have it last night, but I threw 124 pitches, threw a no-no, no big deal. But I didn't really have it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And and this is great. So this is the first time the Nationals have been no hit since 1999 when they were still the Expos. So it's been a long time since the Nationals got no hit. Uh, Here's the question, though. Beyond the, the Nationals and the Phillies and all that stuff, you can go beyond the sport. What would cause you to root for the other team, Jimmy? Because I feel like this happens a lot more in baseball than the other sports. I'm not saying it's wrong. But that no-no, just to be clear, that occurred in Philadelphia. That was a home game for the Phillies. But there have been many no-nos on the road. Your guy, Domingo Herman, he threw a no-no in Oakland. He threw a perfect game in Oakland. Mm -hmm. And they cheered him loudly. As that oftentimes... Occurs, So what would cause you to do that, say, in a football game? Because think about this. I'm just asking for something significant in one single game. It's not a career achievement. Mm. I don't even think it's a season achievement, because more times than not, you would applaud that. If Brady set the all-time passing record, well, that might be a bad example. I think even if Brady set the all-time yardage passing mark on the road people would cheer him they would stop the game they would cheer him lebron isn't exactly mr popularity it's weird he's popular with some and he's totally unpopular with others if he broke kareem's all-time scoring record on the road he would get cheered loudly you know so i'm not talking about career stuff i'm talking about what we saw last night the equivalent of a no hitter that type of accomplishment in a single game in football. How many things can you rattle off the top of your head it's that a, it would apply to? It's
3: a very short list
2: because
3: outside of having a outside of having a wager on the game that would make you want to cheer right. for totally. something about the That's other right. team, like an over you know, twenty seven and a half rush yards or something like that, or maybe having a player on on a fantasy team. I realized that prop bet was probably weirdly specific. Like, the, you, yeah. you know, you're going to see that for like a, for for a running back somewhere in today's NFL, or at least a, uh, maybe, maybe a, a secondary back either way. I know. I'm like, you're hardcore. <laughs> you're betting the backup to go over
2: 27 and a half.
3: So unless you're doing that, I mean, it goes back to the conversation we had when Herman threw the perfect game. It's like, well, is there another really equivalent of that in sports, particularly football that makes you stop and focus on everything? And Is it also something that is so well known when it's happening that you would be aware of it? Like, for instance, if if a player had caught like on on the road, if a player caught like three, four, five touchdowns in a game, maybe they were approaching like a historic mark, right? Is the road team gonna display that on the Jumbotron until it actually happens? Probably not. So how right. is the fan going to know what the casual fan No, oh, man, we got to be close to a record. So I don't That's, know. Yeah. I really, I think it's a very, very short list that would elicit it in football minus, you know, like a, the other caveat would be if a player's injured, you usually get applause right. when, when they get back yep. up.
2: That's I don't right. know. Do you have any off the top of your head? There are a couple where if you widen it beyond just something significant in a single game, Like you said, injuries, you typically cheer for a guy who gets up, especially if it's scary, right? You cheer for him getting up or even wheeled off, Mm -hmm. you typically cheer. I Think about Tua comes to mind when he's getting carted off against the Bengals, and that was very, very scary. You're going to cheer as an opposing fan. A career achievement, like I mentioned with Brady, you'd cheer for that. Mm -hmm. I think if a player starred for your team and is now elsewhere – I think that can still work in football. It definitely works in baseball. Yeah. They'll cheer for Albert Pujols like crazy in St. Louis or David Freeze or whoever did something significant and it's playing elsewhere. That typically happens. But that's all that's not a single game, like a no hitter or a perfect game. I think if it's look, it's a a, a record breaking field goal kick especially when it, if it's a game winner, probably not. (laughs) Like the opposing fans are not going to cheer for that. But if they're like, that set a record, you would cheer for that. But you you brought up a great point. Unless you're aware this is actually a record, you might not even know you're Mm -hmm. watching history. It's just different at a football game compared to baseball.
3: Yeah, and again, I think that's a lot of the just fact that that's an easy thing to catch on to in baseball. When because you just look at the scoreboard, it's like oh, there's a big zero out there, and, oh, that's still the same pitcher that started the game, or oh, he hasn't walked anybody. Like you can easily visualize that in football and in even in basketball too. Basketball is probably actually the better example because I think yeah. most basketball fans know Wilt's mark and like oh, know yeah. whenever someone's approaching that mark of of getting oh, more than a hundred points. Like which again, that's one of those where. You hate to say it, but yeah, it's probably a locked record. Like it's one of those near untouchables to the point that, man, you see it. It's instant national whip around coverage. Oh, 70 points here going into the uh, your final, what, eight minutes of the fourth, something like that. That's on your radar for football. There's not as many commonplace achievements that you would know unless you realized in the moment and took other steps that you shouldn't have to like Google it or try to figure out right. what was at play.
2: How about um? How about remember when Clay Thompson did he go off for I think it was thirty seven points in a quarter in one quarter?
5: It was against the Pacers. We don't need the reminder.
2: <laughs> well, he did that against the Kings also. I I don't know if he said it against the Pacers as well. Do you know that, Eddie? If he he went crazy like that against the Pacers, he also did.
5: he did. It was back in the Paul George days. At, uh, I think it was still Oracle at the time, and he erupted for like I can't remember. It was like sixty points. He only had like thirteen dribbles. It was something stupid.
2: That's yeah, that's crazy. But I do remember him going for about thirty-seven. Yes,
3: it, yep. It would have been in twenty fifteen because this is a post from NBA on ESPN. It says eight years ago today, and that was January of this year. So. Yeah. 2015, 37 points against the Kings in Golden State.
2: I remember uh Grant Napier going crazy. Like think about that. He was the Kings broadcaster at the time and he was like this is unbelievable. This guy can't <laughs> miss. Like he definitely knew the historical significance of that. If that happened at Gainbridge now, do you think you would cheer for someone that went off for 37 in one quarter? I think a lot of people would. Do you agree with that?
3: I, I think you hear a lot of like maybe tip of the cap, but I think a lot of groans, like some chuckles, like some <laughs> oh my gosh, like it's more of a stunned uh-huh. applause or a stunned appreciation. But if it happened for for my team, like if I'm in a Pacers game and it happens there, I'm just ugh. Like every time he gets a shot up, it's like someone go get him, and it doesn't matter. It'd be more frustration, I think, than it would be admiration. A, a, a flurry like that, like it'd be different if it's over the course of the whole game. But like one quarter, just instant first round knockout type yeah. punch. Like I, I don't know that that's appreciation as much as it is stunned, just abject terror.
2: <laughs> it's a little weird, isn't it? Because think about it. Think about in baseball a no hitter or a perfect game. That's utter domination, mm-hmm. and oftentimes the road team will cheer for it, yep. which is fine. But Like, I think in basketball, in football, more times than not, if there's an athlete and he's just utterly dominant against your team in your stadium, I don't think you cheer it as often. No, I would agree. You might have a few instances here or there where there's some single game significance or it's just that great of a performance, but more times than not... You're like, man, this guy is completely on my nerves in basketball and football and baseball. You're like, yeah, good job, (laughs) man. It's weird how it works out, isn't it?
3: It's the, I don't want to call it the manners of the sport and say like baseball is more gentlemanly because, you know, look what just happened last week with uh, Tim Anderson and Jose Ramirez. But I mean, yeah, to to the fan, there is something about the, even though like setting a record like that most points in a game and again that was back in 2015 or most points in a sorry in a quarter like that's mind-boggling and crazy but it is the utter dominance of it of a perfect game or a Mm no-hitter that you almost have to even if you're the road team just a little bit of a slow clap a little bit of appreciation and applause because of the utter dominance that you just witnessed
2: the A's fans were acting when Herman threw his perfect game like someone announced attention fans He's selling the team. We're staying in Oakland. You know what I mean? Yeah.
3: <laughs> they went. Yeah, nuts all twenty when they of them. It was crazy.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: I think they had. They like all a they all solid... had snuck down to the lower yeah. bowl by that point. By the way, yeah. everybody was crowded behind home plate, ready for this thing.
2: It was a loud nine thousand there that <laughs> night. Man, they were loud. All right, coming up next. It sounds good until you think it through. I'm Brian. No, he's Jimmy Cook. It's ninety three five and one zero seven five. The fan. I'm Brian No he's Jimmy Cook here on the fan you know we were talking about Ron Rivera being a colossal idiot a little bit earlier in the show at least what he said about Eric the enemy a Cliffs Notes version one day he's like, uh, yeah the enemy so a lot of players came up to me complaining about his uh intensity, <laughs> just volunteering that information but you know to be fair he's never been a head coach before so he doesn't really know how to adjust and <laughs> handle players. Ugh. Oh, gosh. And then he uh, he attempted to walk it back by reading notes off a little note card propped up on a hat <laughs> and was like, oh, I think you guys are making too big of a deal out of this. It's like, yeah, Ron, it's on us. <laughs> it's our fault it's, that you would say this about be enemy, knowing he can't get a head coaching job, and you just volunteer this information. No, it's on you. It's on you. So Pat, shout out to him, he tweeted in and he wrote, Rivera is getting ahead of it. All this is preventing the knife aimed at his back from Biennemi for the head coaching job. Throw him under the bus, now apologize the next day and everything is good. But Biennemi's reputation is in the minds of management. Okay, here's where I stand, Jimmy. That sounds good until you think it through. That's what I believe. Because if this was some crazy, you know, voodoo math by Rivera of like I'm just going to volunteer this information, they're going to freak and then I'm just going to walk it back wink wink and the damage is freaking done. You're not getting my gig the enemy like if if Ron Rivera doesn't win a lot this season, He's probably going to get fired. Mm -hmm. There's a brand new owner of the franchise. He's probably going to be out of a job. At that point, what would he care? Whether it's Biennemi or somebody else, he's out of a job. So whatever he says about Biennemi, that's not saving his job whatsoever. And that's all that really matters. All that's going to save his job is winning. It It doesn't matter what he's saying. So I don't buy it that this was some crazy voodoo math and he knew what he was doing the whole time. Ron Rivera just stepped in it, and he tried to make up for it, and he didn't do a good job of that either.
3: Yeah, I mean, we're giving too much credit there to Rivera, the idea that this is a puppet master move when he had full control of who he was going to hire as his offensive coordinator. He knew what this position was supposed to be for Bienemy, which is have an opportunity to one day become a head coach, whether it is in Washington or whether it is somewhere else in the league, because, again, all the knocks that you want to put on Bienemy for his time in Kansas City, which there aren't real, there aren't a lot of legitimate ones in my mind, other than well, how much the play calling did he really do? Okay, he shared play calling duties with Andy Reid. That's what the reports were. Now he's full play caller for Washington. He's been given the keys to how this offense is going to look by Ron Rivera. And I also don't think I'll I will go against Ron Rivera and criticize him here for being foolish and moronic with his comments, but. I'm never gonna say, at least from what we've seen throughout his career, he's a bad person or he's no. a vindictive person, right? Right? Or 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 with an agenda to try to right. a, avoid somebody allegedly getting ready to stab him in the back by throwing them under the bus and throwing them to the wolves. That's not a Ron Rivera mo thing. Right. This is just merely a like he said. I mean, it's too little too late, and the whole note card look isn't great either, but he put his foot in his mouth, he said too much, and it was an unbelievably boneheaded rookie mistake for a coach that is better than that in terms of the image he's portrayed for the better part of the last three decades, and also, he's a more tenured coach than to know better than to do
2: that. No, it's a great point that you bring up because I'll pull Coles in Rivera's resume because they're obvious. Mm-hmm. He's just He's not a very good head coach. His results are up, down, up, down. That was with an MVP quarterback one season with Cam Newton. Like, you can't have up and down results Mm -hmm. like that. And he did in Carolina. He hasn't had a winning record in Washington. He colossally stepped in it. This is a, like you said, it's a rookie mistake by a veteran head coach going into year 13 as a head coach (laughs) in the NFL. Um Yeah, this is – but I could say all that about his resume, and I don't think highly of him as a coach, but he is a solid dude. Yeah, I love him as a guy. Mm -hmm, Me too. And and he's just not that dude to just sneakily do the enemy wrong like this. For personal gain, that's just not who he is. So, I mean, I respect the theory. I think it makes sense until you think it through. It's one of those things your math teacher always said, check your work. (laughs) (laughs) When you check your work, I don't think it adds up. I don't think so. How about this, too? We were just talking to Aaron Torres uh, from Fox Sports Radio, and I threw a question his way. I want to throw it your way, Jimmy. We've talked about Anthony Richardson. Will he start in week one? Will Jonathan Taylor be there in week one? Put them both together. A. Rich and JT, starting in week one, do you go either, neither or both? What do you think we're going to see in week one?
3: I'm going to go both. I, I've it, it matches up with my line of thinking with where Anthony Richardson is right now. I reserve the right to modify that when we talk next week because we'll have one preseason game just to see where he's at and get more tea leave reading by Shane Steichen's postgame comments after that to kind of see where the evaluation was. And of course, we'll be able to see it with our own eyes. But as of right now, I've told you, I don't think that Steichen's forcing this. He has no reason to. If he feels like the rookie's ready to get the start for the preseason, then that's a step up for Anthony Richardson. That's all you can take it as is a growth step and then another test for him on this long study session towards getting the week one job. And then for the Jonathan Taylor side of thing, we talked about it earlier. He's not going to sit back and let... $4 $4 million go by the wayside. Yeah. I, I wouldn't. Like, if I was in this position and I've yet to make the type of career earnings where, like, yes, we, we'd all kill to, have, to be millionaires or have millions of dollars, but it, it's a different perspective and an entirely different money conversation when you're a professional athlete. By and large, Jonathan Taylor, from a career earning standpoint, is towards the bottom of the league in terms of money earned. So, any amount of check you can bring in, you're not going to turn your head at that. For me, I think he's there. The only way I don't see it happening is if the ankle is legitimately still injured or if right. the 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 back thing was legit and he, he has to miss time. But I think mm-hmm. he's ultimately there week one, so I'll go both.
5: I'm going either. I'm yeah, only, I think either also, but you go ahead, Eddie. I don't think JT's out there because he's not in football shape. Keep this in mind. He hasn't practiced or appeared in an NFL game setting since December seventeenth, when he got hurt against the Minnesota Vikings, he didn't participate in any of the offseason stuff, OTAs.
3: He did do main, stuff. He did no. he did do stuff in Florida though, correct? Or he did stuff in we, well, Arizona. That, allegedly, but he
5: hasn't done any team sure, based I I, activities. I just want to. He hasn't done anything in mandatory yeah, minicamp. He didn't do sure. anything in OTAs, and as it's been documented, he hasn't done jack squat. And training camp. We can read into this as him leaving the team to go rehab his ankle. There's other ways that you can look at it too. But right now But
3: he's not sitting at home eating chips right now, like get like, you know, I get what you're saying. I'm not trying to undermine it, but like the idea he hasn't done anything away from the team during this time to make sure he's still in some form feels
5: too extreme. I don't know. I mean the fact that he hasn't done anything in terms of with the team aspect for NFL related activities since uh, December 17th, and he hasn't been out there for a practice yet. If he's not out there next week for practice, I'm saying no. I'm going to go
2: either also. I think you have more outs with either. Mm -hmm. If you didn't specify, I will (laughs) specify. But without specifying, hey, Anthony Richardson might not start in week one. They might... Maybe Shane Steichen's listening to the fan and says, Man, this Brian No guy makes some sense here. If we start him, say, week seven, just get him out there here and there, special package of plays. Okay. Uh, So maybe they don't start him in week one. Mm -hmm. And then also, JT, uh, to Eddie's point, it gives you another out. Maybe A. Rich does start in week one, but JT's not quite ready, or he's hell bent on being traded. He's just holding out. Like all those possibilities exist. I think either makes the most sense. I'll say this I think that JT is there and Anthony Richardson doesn't start. Mm -hmm. I think that's what should happen. I don't know that it will but i would go with either i think it gives you more outs if that's not the exact scenario
3: is your evaluation of anthony richardson and what the colts will do not you think they should do is it swayed at all by the and, fact he's starting the first preseason game and if it's not would it be swayed at all depending on how he looks in the first preseason game
2: yeah i mean it could be for you for me for me no for the colts i think cuz i think it's it trending be. that way like like we're
3: we're we're at a point where if he keeps looking sharp enough for them, he's going to be the starter. I mean, for you, right. is there anything that can happen for you in the first preseason game? Maybe he plays the second one as well where you're like, okay, I still wouldn't do it, but okay. I understand their thinking. Right.
2: It could happen. I, for me, he would have to wow me mm-hmm. for everything I've detailed. You yeah. know, um, I just think he hasn't had a whole lot of experience. I would have to be wowed. Like, okay. whoa, this dude is balling out. Like, He might be ready. Put him in there. Uh, I don't think the Colts need to be as wowed as I do. I'd agree. I would agree. <laughs> so if he looks good, that might be enough for them. Very well could be the case. All right, coming up next, Casey Valier. The Colts conversation continues with the Colts radio coordinator. That's on the way. I'm Brian No. He's Jimmy Cook. It's 935 and 1075 the fan. I'm Brian No. He's Jimmy Cook here on the fan. Wanna welcome in Casey Valier. Colts radio coordinator, in-game studio host for the Colts radio network. Lots of Colts stuff to get to. That's on the way. First though, Tom Petty. I can't help it. I'm like a squirrel. If something shiny is in front of me, I'm like, what is that? You know, where do you stand on Tom Petty, Casey? Scale from one to ten. What do you rate Tom Petty in your book?
0: Oh, I mean, Tom Petty is a legend. He's got to be at least a nine and a half. I don't wow. know if I'll go ten, because ten's probably reserved for, like, true, like, Beatles category, but Tom Petty's right up there, man.
2: Okay, now I'm going to ask you an even more mind-bending question. Who? Oh, it's sort of it. like it. it's like the 99 Club in Madden. Who's in your ten uh-huh. club musically? Who, who, who are the perfect tens up there? Perfect ten in that? Oh, I mean... Like I said, I'm a huge
0: Beatles guy. So, I mean, any of those guys in the Beatles, McCartney, Harrison, Lennon, I think they're all in a class of their own. I'm a big Dave Matthews band fan, so I've kind of put him in there. I mean, like I said, Tom Petty, I never go wrong with some Petty, so it's it's a close it's a close one there. You got ninety nines with the Beatles and then probably like ninety sevens with everybody else I just mentioned.
2: <laughs> Fair enough, man. Uh we've been kicking this around with um Anthony Richardson and Jonathan Taylor. If you look at week one specifically and who is active, who is starting, would you say either Neither or both of them. Ooh. I mean,
0: it's, yeah, the Jonathan Taylor situation continues to be ongoing, so I don't know if I really have a good one there. So I would probably say either, and I would go with uh, Anthony Richardson starting, and that's just by... You know, seeing the way the camp is going, he's going to get the nod on Saturday to start. I'm just going to go with that, you know, just kind of move this process along here as we establish the young quarterback, kind of let him, you know, throw his, throw him right to the fire in week one.
3: Casey, Brian and I have gone back and forth with this with Anthony Richardson. It's this weird paradox of, well, he doesn't have experience, but the only way to get that experience is by being under center and getting valuable reps. It's like trying to apply for a job where they're asking you to get the experience Legit. that you would get yeah, if you had that job. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> for for me, I feel like the preseason is a great avenue to, again, it's not going to be the same as week one speed, but it's a great opportunity to get him reps. And as you mentioned, throw him into the fire. With this development, how how big is preseason opener against the Bills that first quarter and him getting his first taste of NFL action as a starting QB? How big is that for him?
0: I think it's huge. I think partly the reason I think that is because for the Bills, it's their first test as well. So I think you've got a good opportunity that when he's going with the ones on the Colts offensively, there's a really good chance he's going to go up against a lot of ones from the Bills side as well. So I think that's going to really lend its hand very well. So he's going to be seeing live bullets from Bills defense. Now I know Sean McDermott's probably not going to throw out a bunch of exotic packages like they would if it was a regular season game, but. This this is still a defense that is a top 10 defense and has been for the better part of a decade. So it's a good Bills defense so I really like that but I mean... You mentioned it right there. I mean, the best way to get experience is to actually go out and be on the field and do it. So he's going to have to take these live bullets somewhere, and I think it's no better than to go ahead and give him the nod this Saturday and just give it the best opportunity to go up against guys that when week one rolls around, he will see on the other side of the ball.
2: He's Casey Vallier, in-game studio host for the Colts Radio Network, joining us here on The Fan How about Jonathan Taylor and his leverage? We know he doesn't have a ton because all the running back stuff, we get the market. But with Anthony Richardson specifically being a rookie quarterback, does that give him a little more leverage than other running backs might have in similar situations?
0: That's a good question. I don't. I don't know. I mean, it's it's one of those things. I think you're seeing where the running back market is. I mean, across the league, it's been a a league wide issue, um, and and it's hard because you you watch a guy like Jonathan Taylor play, and everybody says, you know, he's a top five running back, and I would completely agree. And when you look at it from other positions, I mean, these guys are paid very handsomely, so I understand the frustration. Um, but I think that actually is a good point when you think about it from that from that aspect is he is kind of looked at in this offense to be the the stable ground, the guy that you know what you're going to get. So maybe he does feel like that adds a little bit of leverage to kind of say, here's my sample size. You don't have to worry about me. and I can kind of help the rook kind of get going up to speed. So I would say he probably does feel that way, and I would agree with that in some
3: ways. On an unrelated note, uh, I've just realized that I have uh, two people that draw the ire of, I assume, most of their friend groups because you both are green bubble messengers uh, in terms of your phone usage. Yeah, so, Team uh, Android, baby. baby! Just wanted here to ha- have that connection for you guys there.
2: <laughs> hey, we're united, okay? Hey, we are we are fourth. small, but we are strong. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm one of those that it's I'm,
0: I struggle to change, and you know I've had an Android for so long back when it was a a razor and all that stuff, and that, that's the phone I've always liked is non Apple. And I, I'm the same way. When I look at a Mac computer, I couldn't tell you how to do anything on there. And I'm standing true or standing strong. Going to be Androids forever. I'm all for it.
3: Look, I admire it. I, I respect it. it it's it, it's blissful <laughs> ignorance that just makes me smile. Anyway, um, Casey the uh, Casey Valier joining us, uh, broadcast coordinator in studio host for Indianapolis Colts. When you look at all of the fog that has been created around camp with John and Taylor's saga and Anthony Richardson, it's easy to lose sight of the other ongoings at camp and and how valuable this opportunity is for this first preseason game for a lot of position groups. What has been overshadowed the most in your mind, or what's a story going into this first preseason game that isn't getting the type of magnifying glass coverage it would because of all the other big storylines that are happening around camp?
0: Um, I think one of them it's The, the the camp and OTA combination we've seen out of Kylan Branson, I don't think anybody's giving as much hype as what he probably should have because he has really had a great spring and he has turned it into a great start to camp. And if you look at the tight end room right now, I mean, on the sidelines today not practicing was Mo Ali Cox, Jelani Woods, Drew Ogletree and Will Mallory. You look at the depth chart, if you had to put top five, those are probably four of the top five in that group outside of Kylan Granson. He's been a guy who's been active, he's been healthy, and he has been very, um, he's, 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 Shown how important he is to this offense, especially Gardner Minshew and Anthony Richardson. So he has been a guy that's really shined. I think Alec Pierce has shined in that wide receiver room. Not a lot of buzz going on in wide receiver room, which is really good. A lot of healthy bodies. Michael Pittman's been out there every day. Alec Pierce has been out there every day. You're seeing a lot out of youngster Josh Downs. Um, Cornerback is probably an area that hasn't got as much love just because you came in and Juju Brintz wasn't practicing yet. You had all the loss from last year. So you thought that would be a little bit more highly looked at, Um, and it's kind of come into its own. There's been some flashes from some young guys, Um, and you've seen some other guys like Daryl Baker Jr., who was a practice squad guy here last year, really shine. Dallas Flowers seems to be taking another step. So there's a handful of areas that, when I look on Saturday, that I'm going to have my eyes kind of glued on. It's going to be at tight end. It's going to be at cornerback. It's definitely going to be at running back. you got the Jonathan Taylor situation. Zach Moss is out. So... You sign a guy like Kenyon Drake, it's going to definitely add a veteran presence. But there's going to be some areas I'm going to definitely watch for. But I would say those are kind of areas that have kind of flown under the radar. And maybe it's a good thing, but, you know, I don't know. It's one of those things that we'll continue to watch as that evolves through training camp.
2: You know, Casey, we get that it's important, for obvious reasons, that the rookies look good in preseason action as we get closer to the regular season. Put the rookies aside. What else would you say is important to see in this first preseason game for the Colts against the Bills, as it relates to the regular season? Yeah,
0: I think the biggest thing, and I thought I thought Shane addressed that today when he talked to the media. One of the things that he mentioned was he wanted to see the guys keep, it, you know, not, not turning the ball over and making the right reads. So, yeah, you can look good and do everything, but I think mainly. Show that you have an understanding for whichever playbook, whether it's offense, defense, that you're in the right spots, but also making sure you're having the right reads and you're you're just being smart. Because I think we would all agree that this year is going to be a trying year in a way because you've got new quarterback, new head coach. Your expectations are a little lower. So I think the best way to grow on those expectations is take care of the controllables. Do what you can to not put yourself behind the eight ball. So offensively, not turning the football over on defense, trying to create as many turnovers as you possibly can is going to keep you in the game. So I think that is one of the things, looking at it as a collective on Saturday, is is ball security, both sides. If the defense can just get their hands on some balls and offensively you can just hold on to the football, I think that is probably the most important thing. I mean, definitely you want to come out of it healthy. But I, I would say that might be my most important thing that I'm looking for when it comes to this weekend.
3: Casey, how focused should we be along the offensive line? We've talked about what Tony Sperano Jr. is trying to rebuild yeah. here in Indianapolis, and again, I know it's probably only going to be, you know, a handful of series, or maybe they get the whole quarter not as well with Anthony Richardson. Who knows? But we know that he's playing with the ones. How focused or rewatching, rewinding the tape, should we be on how the offensive line performs in this opener against Buffalo?
0: Uh, I think it's huge. Um, Jimmy, you, you were you were there watching this team last year. Brian, you understand the same. I mean, this is an area that this team needs to improve on, and when you look at the guys they're throwing out there, it's the same five that started the last half of the year. So there is still a question mark. There is a little bit of a, you know, you got to prove it to me that you guys can go out and play at the premier level that they have played in the past. So it's definitely an area you have to look at, and especially when you have – Anthony Richardson there, his offensive line is so vital in his growth and how he can take that next step. So it's definitely an area you have to look at. I don't know if you talked about rewinding the tape. I don't know how much we're rewinding preseason week one, um, but it's definitely something that you're going to take it to the drawing board and we're really going to see how much they grow from Saturday to next Wednesday and Thursday when they have joint practices with the Bears because that's going to be another set of tests that they're going to have to go through.
2: Casey Valier joining us here on The Fan. How about this, man? You know, Michael Pittman Jr., where do you stand on his contract extension? Because the Colts could think of it where, hey, instead of extending him right now, which we could do, how about we wait until after the season? Because what are the odds that he puts up huge numbers with Gardner Minshew and rookie Anthony Richardson? If his numbers are down, maybe we get a little bit of a discount. We could use the franchise tag if worst comes to worst. Do you think they would approach it like that at all here? You know, I, that's
0: that's a really good question because,
2: you know, the, if you look at history,
0: it's one of those things that this, this regime has, has kind of – paid those guys early. It's one of those things that these guys are getting extensions early, and Pittman would fall into that category. So I'm not saying I'm not surprised he hasn't received one, but in some ways I understand that logic, too, because you want to see what happens. Last year he would agree that it wasn't his best year. He had a career high in 99 catches, but it was under 10 yards per catch. He was under 1,000 yards. A lot of people might say it's based on you know his quarterback play was what it was, and that was part of it. So I think it might be one of those things where it's, hey, prove it to me. And I think that the Colts would probably agree. I know Chris Ballard is very high on, on a guy like Michael Pittman in all assets. It's you know the way he plays, but also kind of his mindset and that that dog mentality he has. So I don't think he's a guy that they're saying, you know, we aren't going to pay him. I think it's just kind of a wait and see. And at this point, I wouldn't be shocked if he does not get the extension prior to the end of the year, and and a franchise tag I'm sure is fully on the table. And right now the wide receiver market is booming. So I I think that's part of the reason you aren't seeing a whole bunch of receivers being angry because ultimately if you go out and prove it, you're going to get paid. So I would assume Pittman falls in that same boat.
3: Casey, from the top of the conversation you mentioned how big of a test this is for Buffalo as well it's their first real test here as you've started to to dive in and finalize the game notes for this one uh, we know you're not going to we're not going to see a ton of Josh Allen we're not going to see a, a ton of starters throughout this thing but it is a Buffalo team that feels like they're right there and maybe pushed out of the conversation with Kansas City yeah. and Buffalo they want to get back there That's not going to change based on one preseason game, but what are you most looking at on the Buffalo side?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. I think right now, um, I mean – In some ways, I I would assume, because it's kind of a veteran Buffalo team. I mean, you look at, especially defensively, we aren't going to see Von Miller. I assume you won't see guys like, you know, Hyde and Poyer on the back end, Matt Milano. You probably won't see much of him. Ed Oliver just signed a big extension. So a lot of these guys, you kind of know what they are. I doubt, you know, they just signed Leonard Floyd. I don't know if you'll see him play. So I would say it's that depth part. If you know, when you're looking at a playoff team, you know this. You watch football, and all of a sudden, week 16 rolls around, and you're looking down at your your roster, and you're like, well, this guy's out. Who they gonna have fill in? I think that's going to be the biggest thing because you always get tested. Your depth will continue to be tested throughout an entire season. So for the Bills, that's one of the things I'm looking for. I'm looking to see guys that I may hear his name right now, and I might not hear it again until week 13 and then maybe week one of the postseason. But I think it's a big thing for guys like that. So that's what I'm kind of focused on. I can't give you any names right now because, honestly, I don't know who they are. If you, if you want me to be real, I mean, it's one of those things that a guy might shine who's their fourth corner. You know, Al El- Ellum out of out of Florida. He was a guy who didn't get much time last year. He was dealing with injuries. You got Tredavious White out there. That guy might be the guy that we're looking at going, man, this is a difference maker at their corner spot. So there's a lot of Bills players that I'm just anxious to see the depth that they have because we know about their front-line guys. That's not something you're at all questioning. I mean, Stephon Diggs is a number one receiver in this league and i would say gabe davis is probably a very close 1a if he's not a one starter so you know about all those guys so i'm just anxious to see the depth of this bills team because like you i think it's going to be you know them cincinnati and kansas city fighting for an afc crown so i'm interested to see kind of who those back end guys are that are going to help them get there
2: hey man casey great stuff you crushed it today you were um beatles-esque I guess, right? You go with the perfect right. 10? Yeah.
0: All right, I'll take it. I will take that all day long. If you ever throw me in that category, I might as well just go and hang up the phone and go to bed because that's a win for the day.
2: There you go, man. Well, hey, have a great rest of the day. We'll catch you soon, man. All right, guys. Talk to you guys on Saturday. Thanks, Casey. Sounds great. There he is, Casey Valier, Colts Radio Coordinator, in-game studio host for the Colts Radio Network. You know what I thought of, Jimmy? My mind goes in stupid directions, but when you mentioned preparing the game notes, I went to the Baltimore Orioles of all places. Mm. What was the guy, the broadcaster, Kevin, what was it? Is it, I forget. I've forgotten it now too. Kevin Brown, that's it. Is it Kevin Brown? Yep. Yep, yep. The old like million dollar pitcher? Remember that? Kevin Brown or am I misremembering his name? Remember the I'm old sorry. Pitcher? I thought
3: you were going off of what is currently happening.
2: In no, 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 My no, no. I am, but sorry. As a side thought, was the pitcher named Kevin Brown also? Remember, he made a boatload of cash. I, no, I
3: believe so, but only the reason I say that is because when I googled Kevin Brown when this first started, I'm pretty sure the pitchers who came up first. So yes, I believe you were right.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think okay. So anyway, back to the Orioles guy, where he got suspended for just citing facts <laughs> about, about the Orioles struggling on the road at Tampa Bay. I just thought about the game notes having to have a positive spin now. You know what I mean? Like, if Casey's preparing this where he would put, hey, Anthony Richardson in week three, completion percentage was you know 51%, but he was better than that. Right, like you know, it has to have something positive in all the game notes because that might be the next wave of suspensions <laughs> if it's not positive over here. But anyway, that's where my mind went. It's a strange place. Hey, I life. mean, you, like you, you warned us about that early on, and in fact, you warned he Casey. He was three at the top for five
5: on passes fifteen plus yards down the field.
2: There you go. He was only nine for twenty seven, but those deep balls were on point. You know.
5: Yeah, he could have been eight for 27 instead.
2: (laughs) You're going to have to do a positive spin in the game notes, too. That's what it's coming to. Um, Okay, so what do you think about this, Jimmy? We haven't tackled it, but I threw it Casey's way. Jonathan Taylor's leverage. We know he doesn't have much, hardly at all. But does the fact that Anthony Richardson is a rookie quarterback, does that help his cause at all? like and think about that what would helping his cause actually mean it would probably mean for him getting a deal do you think a rich helps that pursuit at
3: all no because at this point we're on we're on a money gap like that it's either guaranteed money or it's an annual salary gap in terms of because if it was i said this what, last week or 2 weeks ago if this was like a 3 year 13 million dollar each year type of contract over the extent of that deal, we're not having this conversation. Like it's clearly more than that. It's clearly that he would want either something between the again. This is just from from loose reports, not from anybody nationally, but speculation of maybe sixteen to twenty million dollar range. And if that's the case, that's clearly a number that not only the Colts don't want to stomach, but he's not going to get that from another team. Like there's no yeah. NFL team out there at this point that's going to be willing to pay him that as his career currently stands. Now, if he has another bounce back year. It's a lose-lose for running backs. If he has a bounce-back year and he feels he's earned a $16 million contract, tag, enjoy it, thanks, JT. Like th- That's what winds up happening at the end of this story. So, no, there's not a ton of leverage because if I'm putting myself in the Colts' shoes, yes, the development of Anthony Richardson matters, but if I can't stomach paying an extra four or $5 million a year to that position player – I'm not going to do it just for the sake of, well, it might help in the short-term development of Anthony Richardson. I'm going to do what I thought the Colts were going to do on Wednesday. I'm going to sign a veteran running back that I can trust within my offense, and it'll even out because that's Mm -hmm. what happens at that position. They didn't do that, and now the ball is back up for the grabs from either Jonathan Taylor or the Colts of who wants to make the next big move within this saga.
5: What do you think goes on when a player goes, hey, I want to be traded? Does, how do they? How do you think they phrase it? Get
2: me out of here! Uh, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Other times it's like Matthew Stafford with the Lions. He wasn't, get me out of here. I hate your guts. You know? It yeah. was, guys, seriously. Uh, do right by me. We've had some fun. Get me out of here, please. Uh, yeah. I, I think this, man. When it comes to JT and the trade request and Is his leverage helped at all with Anthony Richardson being a rookie quarterback? I think that it could help the Colts feel more uneasy about the situation. Sure. But I don't know that it helps his actual leverage when it comes right down to it. I don't think he's going to get the extension that he wants. They're way too far apart. But I think that the Colts, if they really look at this, they could say, we would like to have JT back there for sure. He's a superb talent when he's healthy. We would love to have him there, especially for year one with Anthony Richardson. Uh, we don't love the idea of what if we go out and get a running back on the open market and then we try to trade JT, but we can't get a whole lot for him because of the running back market mm-hmm. and because they know we got to get rid of him, you know? So it's not an ideal situation and it could make the Colts uneasy definitely wanting him out there but to the point that it gets jt what he's seeking i don't think it does that
3: no it's the gap is too big and i don't know like look i get it it's sports it happens but i'm still big on the philosophy that if you put pen to paper on a contract like you you can still negotiate for extensions but at the end of the day you play it out like you you finish the contract and if an extension happens great but if not Finish it out. Honor the commitment that he made. And that was Jonathan Taylor's perspective on it in April. And now it's not that anymore. And I get why it's not that. Whether it's a combination of first-round management giving him this guidance of, hey, we need to be more aggressive. Or whether he looked around the league and realized, I'm going to have to deal with this next year. I might as well get out in front of it and do it a year early. Either way, the tune changed to where he's maybe not going to honor this agreement. And I think that's great Mm -hmm. to say. It sounds big on a headline, but we forget when we're writing headlines or reading them that there's a money penalty aspect to this. And I don't want to call it all talk, but yeah, barring him legitimately being injured, it's all talk. The leverage goes from like, like you said, the Colts think about it in the same way they're being so casual about the oh. situation in press conferences. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that might impact Anthony Richardson. Anyway, we'll see in yeah. Week One, JT. Hope, yeah. hope you're doing well. Like right. that, that you you swat at it like you would a cat idly swatting at a fly. Like that, <laughs> that, that's all it is because you know he's going to be there Week One unless he's hurt or unless he doesn't care about the financial consequences that would arrive.
2: Yeah, again, we got to run it back with Shane Steichen talking about Jonathan Taylor, who's got an ankle injury and has requested a trade. Just acting like that's not even part of the co- the, the equation here at all. Do you think he'll practice during
4: camp? Uh, I, I, Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see that. We'll see how it all plays out, though. Again, once he's cleared, he'll be out here. Mm. Once he's cleared, he'll be out here. Uh,
2: coach, hasn't he requested a trade? Yeah, but... Come on. (laughs) (laughs)
3: And I I won't do this a ton, I don't think, this year, but in Shade Steichen's defense, Jim Ursay did slam that door. So maybe in Shade's mind, no, like, yeah, he requested it, but didn't hear what the owner said. No, it's not not happening. What are you, nuts? Like, so I don't don't know. It's either that or it is just, I mean, it, it is an ingenious arrogance pr move of knowing the entirety of the situation how it's all likely to play out and you're not necessarily intentionally stoking the flames or calling him out you're just like yeah he's gonna be back like we'll see him when he's out there he'll be with us soon you
2: know it's like, funny it's just ignoring the whole situation totally we always talk about quarterbacks making quick decisions and you gotta process a lot of information you know that's why it's not ideal that C.J. Stroud is at dial-up speed <laughs> based on his, C- his S2 score over there. But, but press conferences are a lot like that, too. Because we go over this stuff. We put it under the microscope, yep. you know what I mean? And you're asked this question, and boom, you're giving your answer right away. And if you don't have great foresight, and if you don't have great jeterisms, I'll say Derek Jeter (laughs) was the master. Hey Jeter, what do you think about a rod juicing? Well, you know, uh, blah blah blah. That has nothing to do with A Rod juicing, you know. And you're like, that was that was really well said, but he didn't answer the question at
3: all. Let me go back and check the quote. No, he didn't. He, yeah. he he just was talking about how how Deki Matsui looked pretty good today in batting <laughs> practice. I, I don't understand. Yeah, but it sounded like poetry. It was so eloquent I, that I just, I, I'm not even yeah, mad about it. I went
2: along with it. It's fine. Um, the old Lakers GM Mitch Kupchak, he sounded like he was trying to defuse a bomb half the time <laughs> when they asked him questions. And, and and there's a reason for it, you know? Like, you really have to be savvy about not stepping in it. And it's so easy to do. Shane Steichen was taken. listen to this. I'll get to the rapid-fire questions where it's just – it's one after another where, Coach, what about this? Coach, what about this? Coach, what about this? And it was at the very end – He had that note about Jonathan Taylor. Hey, when he's healthy, we expect him out there. Listen to the rapid-fire-ness... If that is such a thing, of these questions
4: coming at Coach. You guys don't see him out here as part of his rehab. Is he rehabbing here on site or somewhere else? Yeah, like, I'll, I'll refrain from getting into that, but yeah. Do you
1: expect what, him what back tomorrow?
4: Or? Yeah, if you if you don't see him back here, out on the field, it's because he's rehabbing.
1: So what is his health status? I mean, yeah. Different
4: yeah, he's got an ankle, and he's rehabbing his ankle, and like I said, once the medical staff clears him, and he's 100%, he'll, he's, he'll be out on practice. Has he there been much
3: progress, do you feel?
4: Yeah. I think he's in a in good spot, and we're Going from there. Do you think he'll practice during camp? Uh, I, I yeah, I'd, I'd like to see that. We'll see how it all plays out, though. Again, once he's cleared, he'll be out here. Okay, so a couple of things. Again, as we put it under the microscope,
2: he said it twice. Mm-hmm. Where he's like, "Yeah, when he's cleared, we expect him out here." And the other, my favorite was, "I'll refrain from getting into that." But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we got. It was at the beginning. I, I have to hear that again. It's close.
4: It's toward the beginning. We won't play the whole thing. Check this out. You guys don't see him out here as part of his rehab. Is he rehabbing here on site or somewhere else? Like, I'll, I'll refrain from getting into that. Oh yeah.
3: <laughs> Shout out to KB Kevin Bowen on the, on the question there.
2: <laughs> that's awesome. You can tell. I'm like, that's Holder. That's our guy nope. Stephen Holder nope. in nope. there as well. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like,
3: and it's clear that it's just such a such a smooth sidestep for the first year head coach because you could tell a little bit with that answer that like he is annoyed
2: with the whole off-site on-site yeah. questionnaire oh, yeah yeah yeah. But, yeah
3: you know uh he's
2: rehabbing but yeah 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 if he's not here he's there
3: it was an a or b question yeah. and he chose a
2: c that he made up of yeah i mean he's somewhere
3: rehabbing yeah
2: it's great when you don't want to give specifics mm-hmm. coach uh, where's he at i uh, he's not here When's he going to be here? Well, if he's not here, he's there. Where's there? It's not here. Like, Who's <laughs> that's on what her? he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Coming up next, some wild predictions and uh, just a great, great NFL story. We'll get that to you as well. I'm Brian. No, he's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm Brian. No, he's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. So uh, we got a lot going on over here. We've got um, a great NFL story. I love this one. So, Miles Jack, you know the linebacker? Mm -hmm. He thought he was going to retire and either go to electricity school or plumber school. He's like, I was going to start my own trade, begin with schooling, and then he got a phone call from the Eagles. And they're like, hey, how about you play for us, though? (laughs) So, he he signed a (laughs) one-year deal. With the NFC champion Philadelphia Eagles, so uh, electricity and plumber school is gonna have to wait. I love that story.
3: the uh, The best quote from all of this when he was talking about the idea of you know he wants to enroll in a trade school like you mentioned, and he says, "I like to work. I couldn't sit at home. Been blessed to make a lot of money. I could retire and sit at the house, but I want to be innovative." And then here's here's the kicker. This is beautiful. I want this on a t shirt. If a zombie apocalypse came, uh-huh. I want to be able to build something. Right on, Miles Jack. Let's go. <laughs> if, if, if if the apocalypse comes, I got to find Miles Jack, and I know that I'm going to have somebody that's able to to build some shelter and, and and keep us at least in some type of structure.
2: I think that he's, he maybe plays too much Fortnite. <laughs> you know how you build stuff on the fly? Sure, he's like, you know, sure. this would come in handy during the zombie apocalypse, but... Uh, more power to him. That's awesome. How about this? These wild Jet predictions? We got a couple to you. Uh, just to refresh your memory, this is from Bleacher Report. Check this out.
4: This one's not really a hot take, but the Jets are going to win the Super Bowl?
2: Not really a hot take, but, you know, Gang Green takes it on home. You know, hot knife through butter when it comes to the Chiefs, the Bengals, the Bills, all the competition in the AFC, whoever the NFC has there, no problem. Gang Green. Not a hot take, though. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it's more of a fact that I'm staying out loud.
3: But this segment you said was called Hot Takes before you came up to me 30 Uh-oh. seconds ago. I just want to make sure the world knows this isn't hot. It's, it's fact, is what it
2: yes. is. Yes. Uh, we played this one, but it, it deserves to be replayed again. This is uh, just top shelf. A lot of predictions that are really wrong. I'm a diehard Jets fan. 49ers and Jets in the Super Bowl. 24-17 Jets win. C.J. Mosley as the MVP. Yeah. Yep. We go with the off-ball middle linebacker as the MVP.
3: You know how you always ask me to like, hey, guess the the price tag on this or guess how much money this guy was going to make or guess how much money this guy bet on something? And... I have a bad habit of either overshooting or undershooting those marks. Mm-hmm. That's what happened with this fan. Like they said, hey, we need a hot take and he couldn't find a middle ground. He had to go all the way in the deep end of, hey, this thing just came out of a volcano is how hot this thing is. <laughs> C.J. Mosley is one of the MVP. Aaron Rodgers, the missing piece no. here. No, nah, no, nah, no. Nah. Nah. C.J. Mosley's got it.
2: No. <laughs> Sauce Gardner? Nah. Yeah, uh-uh. Give me the guy who can't get on the field. <laughs> As the Super Bowl MVP. We've had a couple. There's been, I think, three in the history of the NFL. We're talking about off-ball linebackers, like middle linebackers. I believe it's just Ray Lewis. It is Malcolm Smith. Remember with the Seahawks? He had a pick six of Peyton Manning in that beatdown, that 43-8 game. And there's Chuck Howley. I think that's it. I I think that's all we got. In the history of the Super Bowl. So the odds are not great of that happening. Now, this is my favorite one. This starts off with a Dolphins fan and then transitions to a Jets fan. Is it this you? Is this, this is, you? No, it's not me. It's not me. You'll tell the voice <laughs> difference here. But listen to how this plays out Jets worse than the Patriots this year. Nothing new because they're used to losing.
4: My son's an idiot 16 and 1.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so his son the dolphins fan is like yeah jets are still going to stink and he goes don't listen to this idiot my uh, my son <laughs> They're going sixteen and that one. That is the dad realizing that somewhere <laughs> along the way he stumbled
3: and failed to make his son into a Jets fan, and he is restoring the family's good name by going sixteen and one to try to clean up the mess of his son
2: saying ah oh, they're gonna be bad, just like they've always been. Man, that that is that's aggressive mm-hmm. right there. Yep. But here's the thing as we circle back to making the meaningless meaningful Jimmy, we're looking at the preseason slate for this week in the NFL, and we don't care about the results this week because it's the preseason. But if you look at these matchup matchups in these preseason games, who will win more regular season games, right, Mm -hmm. in these various matchups? Now, with that being said, Crazy stuff happens all of the time in the NFL. And it's hard to see where it's going to be. But keep that in mind as we go through it here. How about, did we do Colts and Bills yet? I'm not sure that we did. I don't think we did do Colts and Bills yet. Between the Colts and Bills, who has more regular season wins? Bills plus eight. Plus eight. I'm going Bills... Ah oh, man, I have. That's one of my you know playoff teams from last year that does not make it this season. You know, a lot of people think that's crazy. It might be, but
3: hey, I already broke
2: that. I didn't factor that into this. This is a separate exercise. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like you got to do what right. you got to do. Yeah, everything's not going to line up perfectly. <laughs> We're doing this on the fly. I'm trying to hit you know? one of these.
3: Okay, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm just I'm trying to get a W.
2: I'm gonna go Buffalo. Uh, give me Buffalo plus five. Eddie? I think.
5: Yeah. You said six, right, Jimmy? I said eight. Eight? 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 Oh, six. Okay. You go, okay, buff
2: plus six. Okay, let's go through this. Titans, Bears. That's (laughs) close. I'm going to say Titans plus
3: two. I'm going to say Bears plus two.
2: Bears plus two. Titans plus three. Titans plus three. Will the Thrill, right, Eddie? That's the deciding factor right Yep, there. the third
5: string quarterback, yeah.
2: That <laughs> makes sense. Jets, Panthers. Who has more regular season wins? I'll go gang green. I'm going to go Jets plus four. I'm going to go Jets plus six. Six. Eddie, you want in?
5: Jets and who? Panthers. Six. Ooh. Um, <laughs> that is the appropriate response. Uh, you said what? Six, Jimmy? I said six, yeah. Brian, you said what? Four, you're really paying close attention here. At he,
2: four, in Eddie's defense, four. he was locked in as producer on that. I saw yeah. him type it away. That's no problem. That's all right. Yeah. <laughs> you say four? Yep, I said four. Oh, dang. I was going to pick. Um, you can still pick that, I know, man. It's I can't
5: the- match with you. Come on, man. <laughs> I'll do five.
2: Five, Okay. Jets. Uh, let's go Jags, No, Cowboys. no, no. no. Jets, three. 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 Okay, three. okay. Right. I put it down. Uh, Jags, Cowboys.
3: <laughs> you go first. You go first this time. Cowboys, okay. two. Okay, you go first.
2: Um, I will go. There's way too much Cowboys negativity. Too much Jags left. Too much Cowboys negativity. I think Eddie's on to something. I'll go Cowboys. I'll go as high as three. Give me Cowboys plus three. Jags plus three. Oof, contrarian. I like it. Okay, here's another good one. Eagles, Ravens. They play this weekend. Who is going to have more regular season wins? Maybe a healthy Lamar. Maybe the Eagles come back to earth a little bit. I'll go Philly. I'll go Philly plus three. I'm not afraid to side with
3: you. I'll say Philly plus three as well. I think, okay. that's, think that's a nice nice mark
2: clean sweep there, Eddie? What do you think? Sure, why not? Oh, okay. look at this. Right. Uh, Chargers,
5: Rams. Okay, here's the curveball. Chargers plus seven. Ooh,
2: plus seven. Give Rams, me Rams are
5: going to suck.
2: Rams plus
5: two. <laughs> going to suck.
2: Rams plus two. Oh, plus wow. two. That's right. I'll say Chargers plus five. Oh, goodness, you guys. This is the curveball right here. Rams playoff team. Horrible luck with injuries last season. I think there's a resurgence. I think too many people are sleeping
5: on him. I don't, I think people are rightfully sleeping on them because nah. n- name their second wide receiver.
2: Well, I'd have to look at the depth chart. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know how you expect them to
5: win with a bunch of no names. Is,
2: uh, is Ben Skoranek going to be in that mix over there? <laughs> go with guy? The fellow yeah. yep. yeah, let's go Irish. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I went to, this was, um, Gosh, a couple of seasons ago, or once, I can't remember when it was, but um, it was when they got crushed uh, by, no, the Rams crushed the Cardinals. This was their Super Bowl season. And uh, I was at the game, and Skoranek, he had like, I don't know, his total was like eight and a half yards or something (laughs) like that. And I'm like, man, I'm kind of tempted to take that. I didn't, Mm except you can't bet in California. So there was no bet to be entered. Short drive to Vegas. Yeah, not on game day <laughs> when you're fair, in the stadium. Fair. Good point. <laughs> um, and I was like, yeah, I don't know. And, and so he, I think he caught one ball, or he at least had one target, and then he got hurt. And I'm like, oh, no, Skoranek's out if you took the over. Just following along. Okay, two more. Chiefs-Saints. That's the preseason matchup this weekend. Who has more regular season wins and by how much? Chiefs plus 12.
3: Stop it. Okay, you I'm don't just believe that. No, yeah. I don't. I don't. Uh, Chiefs plus nine.
2: You believe that? <laughs> so <I'm> That's... G- <laughs> really?
3: <laughs> Let's see. So that would be... So that would be uh, uh, you're right. Because uh, To be clear, I'm not saying the Chiefs are going to go undefeated, but I, I, don't, I don't like the Saints. I don't like anything about New Orleans. You,
5: so you got but the... they
3: still won seven games yeah. last year. Yeah. So I'm probably... Okay, fine. I'm not going to be bullied off of this one. I will say Chiefs plus seven. Whew.
2: I'll go Chiefs. Yeah, I'll go Chiefs plus three. Okay, last one. Last one. We got to roll. Niners, Raiders. What do you guys think? You guys got first dibs.
3: San Francisco plus
2: three. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, you're not too crazy on that. Eddie? Um, I'll go San Francisco plus four. Okay, felt like you were going to go a little bit more than that. I think the Raiders are going to stink. So I'll go, I'll go Niners plus three, but I think they're going to be a, a disappointment this season. I don't trust their quarterback's, uh, quarterback position and a team with high expectations. Sometimes they press. They start, they start losing. It snowballs. I, I can see the Niners not even making the playoffs. Eddie thinks I'm crazy, but I can see it. I can freaking see it. All right, coming up next, we close it in style. We get you a great betting nugget before some award-winning picks from Jay Cook, that's on the way. I'm Brian. No, he's Jimmy Cook, three five and one zero seven five. The fan. I'm Brian. No, he's Jimmy Cook here on the fan. How about some uh, advice for the Smurf over here?
1: <laughs>
2: that's right. We got the Jets and the Panthers joint practices this week. They'll have a preseason game, and uh, Aaron Rodgers. He chimed in on Bryce Young. The rookie quarterback, top pick with the Panthers. Here's what Rogers said about
1: Bryce. Be gentle with yourself. It's a long journey. Uh, it feels like every little snap and practice is the end of the world if it doesn't go right. It's just not true. It's a long, uh, long journey. It's about holding on to your confidence and enjoying the ride, enjoying the little things every day. But I think he's got a great head on his shoulders, and he'll be just fine.
2: <laughs> I, I like that advice. I, the, the description of this. Be gentle with yourself. Be gentle with yourself. But the description makes a lot of sense. Don't don't think that every game is the Super Bowl. Don't sweat every incompletion. Just, you know, just chill.
3: There's a lot of zen, relaxed, yeah. wise wisdom there. By a lot of ayahuasca. Indeed. Right a, yeah. a lot of ayahuasca influence for certain. <laughs> by the way, uh, we were talking about this earlier, but uh, Colts transcripts released... From today's media availability, uh, this is from Coach Shane Steichen. Question: Do you expect Jonathan Taylor back at Grand Park next week? Quote: Yeah, he should be back. Yeah, next week. So there you are on that point in terms of follow up. <laughs> do you expect him to practice? Quote: I don't have an answer for that in a timetable on that, but really looking forward to getting him back, getting him healthy, and getting him back out there playing with the guys. So yeah, there you go.
2: So it's uh, just uh, as if there was no trade request. Um, yeah. I'll- to so expect him out there. <laughs> I like this. The uh, response. How about the talented Smurf? Is that a little fairer with Bryce Young? Where well, he is certainly talented. Sounds he is like also a weird a team
3: up between the Smurfs and Marvel for some like 10 issue release.
2: But yeah, but it's a little better, I guess. This is the talented Smurfs response to Aaron Rodgers throwing a little advice his way. You talk about someone like um, Aaron Rodgers, who's had so much success and, um, you know, for, for so long, um, any advice that he gives, I'm definitely going to, you know, definitely be receptive to and listen to. So I'll definitely take that into account. Hey, listen, man, I think that's a great response. I think it would be funnier if he just went heel for no good reason of like, oh, yeah, Rogers the all-timer with one ring. Yeah, I don't need any advice. I'm good. He wouldn't do anything like that. That's that's really where my mind went. How cool would it be if that were the case? How about Phil Mickelson? Before your picks, let's talk some gambling.
5: Beautiful transition here in a minute or so. You
2: like that, huh, Eddie? (laughs) Yeah. So there's a new book that details some of the betting ways of Phil Mickelson. So, apparently, Phil bet $1 billion over the course of three decades. He lost $100 million. He even allegedly tried to place a $400,000 bet on Team USA during the 2012 Ryder Cup.
3: That's aggressive. It is. Uh, That's a uh, quote from the story as the... uh, uh, the The writer of the book cites there, he warned him, do you know what happened to Pete Rose? You're seen as the modern day Arnold Palmer. So yeah, I mean, it, not a great look, if true. Um, I'm not stunned with any of the gambling stuff with Mickelson, though, just because I don't want to say it's been common knowledge, but it's been widely reported his gambling struggles, where he's been, and the jabs of how you know the the Saudi money from Live bailed him out of where he was from a
2: from a financial standpoint because of his gambling habits, yeah, allegedly. Man, that's I, what what if Phil came out and was like hundred million? It was more like eighty six. <laughs> you know, <laughs> get your facts <laughs> straight. I wouldn't love it being out there how much I lost. Yeah. You know, but I also think about this too. The percentage of what he lost, you know, Mm -hmm. there are a lot of people out there that might have lost whatever, 10, 20 percent of their overall savings. And it's, you know, twenty thousand dollars or whatever. You know what I mean? Like compare that to Phil. He might have lost whatever the percentage is. And that's a hundred million dollars. So it's not great to lose it gambling. But, man, he had it to begin with and he still got a lot more of that. (laughs) That's how I look at it. Is that yeah. crazy?
3: Yeah. And uh, and look, he's been o- open to some extent about the gambling side of things, and you can only take people at their word for, for what that's worth. But he, he said he's he's put that behind him in terms of the gambling addiction that he's had, and it worked out in the end in terms of at least where his financial status is at right now, thanks to Live Golf and everything. So
2: Well, hey, let's hope that Phil <laughs> is listening to this, and we can get oh. Lefty some money here. Let's dive in. The Jay Cook Plays of the Day.
0: This is me, all right? I'm not a athlete. This is my way, this is how I win.
2: Today's Plays of the
3: Day, it's all football-based. Two kinds of football, in fact. We'll start first with the preseason of the NFL. Give me the New England Patriots, plus 142 on the money line over the Houston Texans. Also going to take the Seattle Seahawks, minus 170 on the money line over the Minnesota Vikings. And in the Women's World Cup quarterfinal action, I'll take Spain on the money line over Netherlands. 3-0 yesterday, 7-3 on the week.
5: Wow. Okay. Now, a uh, so key question, Eddie. Is
2: there anything that you have?
5: No, I do not have anything. Oh, Too juicy man. tonight. When you look at MLB, wow. not I'm a lot sticking of with that, and I'm, I'm not dabbling in preseason.
2: It's all ready for the impromptu, you know, intro. That how about we test this out? Almost just off the cuff. How about I give you a crazy intro and let's just see if your random pick in the moment <laughs> hits? What, what do you think, Eddie? You up okay. for this? Sure. It's time for Eddie Garrison to shoot from the hip and still earn you gobs of cash. It's time for Eddie Garrison's lock impromptu style
5: of the day. We're going to try and throw the dart here. We'll take the Philadelphia Phillies over five and a half on the team total. <laughs> Plus two. All right.
2: All right. Nice. That's that's our dart.
5: That's our dart.
2: It's a dart right there. Let it be known. It's a dart.
5: Corbin on the mound, and he's a hashtag bum.
2: I'm gonna go with the uh, hashtag Rays against my Cardinals today. I'm going run line. Give me the Rays in a comeback. They lost last night. Cardinals having a hard time against the Rays, so I'll go plus 105 on the run line with the Rays right there. I like that one. Hey, by the way, Eddie threw this story at us. So Subway, they've received. 10,000 people that sent in, like, signed legally, they changed their names so they could get free sandwiches. Right? 10,000 yeah, people that. signed legally change names Subway so they get a free uh, sandwich. Is that the actual story? Do I have that right? Well, it's
3: free sandwich for
2: life. Right? Did you see this original
3: story when it came out a couple of weeks ago that they were doing this promotion where if you legally change your name to Subway, I can't remember if it was you could get a chance oh, to or if okay, you would get what it is. Subway for life. So it's not just a one-off on a sandwich. It's like a, a free Subway for life type deal. What sounds better,
2: Subway cook or Subway no? It's got to be you. It sounds <laughs> that, like you're yeah, saying no agree. to Subway.
3: I would <laughs> agree. Yeah, Yes. Yeah. Hey, Subway cook's got to be the way to go.
2: Say yes to JMV coming up next. Had a lot of fun with you. Keep it locked right here on The Fan.